The views and opinions expressed on Red Planet are those of the individual and do not necessarily reflect those of Red Planet nor any affiliated or related entities. This podcast is provided for educational purposes only. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Red Planet. This week, we speak to Trans Safety Network about cataloging the ongoing trans genocide all over the Imperial Corps. We also talk about the absurd sentencing of climate activists in Britain, not to mention the further removal of rights surrounding protest in the UK as well. But first, Tim has got some news on a potential new Red Planet co-host. Yeah, so he's been he's been emailing a little bit. Well, his people have been emailing on behalf. And, um, you know, like, things uh, didn't turn out the right way that he wanted with the last show. So he's looking for, like, a, a pretty hard brand pivot. So um, I was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking, like, maybe we could get him on for a trial or something. Um, you know, like, since Sofa isn't going to be here. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's... It, from a much larger station than um than what we're used to bigger than okay. you know like you know, he's pretty big uh pretty big uh social media presence maybe um, have i heard of him uh yeah his name is um what is it hold on i'll um check where is it, it was written down i wrote it down so like, um, uh tucker carlson um yeah i don't know uh... Car- carlson that sounds like like you know, Norwegian, Finnish, or something like that. Sounds like very like Tucker. He sounds like a working class kind of guy. You know, he's yeah, like, yeah, no, he's does. like, out like there I would... doing labor. Tucker. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like he has worked um, like hard, physical, backbreaking work every day of his life, and um, like definitely doesn't. You know, different. Definitely doesn't. Um, didn't inherit any kind of like large sum of money, and um, no, you know, work a real job. The same like, as us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not one of them soft hands. Yeah. <laughs> Well, all right. It. Yeah, it's, it's here, and we've all got mm. soft hands. <laughs> this is the show where we speak to people and find out how you could be based. But let's start off the show uh, by asking our delightful, wonderful Tim, what's the most based thing you did this week? Right. Um. This is like, yeah. Mine's another work-related one. It's just from the other day. Um. And I thought it was, um, I just thought it would be something that everyone would find interesting here. Um, I think I maybe even mentioned it. No, maybe I didn't um, last week. But anyway, so yesterday, a friend of mine who has just started um, doing their own uh, testosterone shots um, in their thighs. I can't remember what kind of shot it is, but it's the one that's good to go on the thighs. And they've been having trouble keeping track of where to put it in you know like every time they have to like measure it out and like there's a bunch of little things you do to like think figure out like okay this is a safe spot to um to inject so um what we did is um our other friend mikey who's a nurse came in and um kind of like marked out the approximate area where it's like good to go from and we just like tattooed on like guidelines on their thighs so that um so that they have this like permanent little 
these um yeah these little boxes that they can um yeah that they can safely inject in without having to like do the things every time to figure out exactly where it was where it's supposed to go and um yeah it was cool it was cool um also getting yeah mikey who's um uh a really awesome nurse who's like super vocally political and stuff like online um yeah it was cool to kind of do that have a little collab on that one and um yeah I don't know it was um I thought that was fun it was kind of based and kind of you know like helping out a helping out a friend but what about Mule what did you do I'm sure you've done something based yes mate I have um I have been helping this week uh, a number of tenants union members and one of the most exciting um instances of helping tenants union members this uh this week has been these two houses that are on the same street they have the same landlord um well it, it it's a little confusing because for some reason the the person who says that they're landlord and acts like their landlord um you know in terms of like threatens to kick them out for the slightest transgression uh demands that they do absurd things and and all this kind of stuff isn't actually the landlord he's not actually on the tenancy agreement at all oh. and yeah so so interesting that 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 is what's going on so they share him whatever whatever he is like he he does mm. that stuff to both of the houses but we've been basically uh, helping them both organize to start a dispute with him because um, there are these things that you need in the UK. If you are a landlord, which you shouldn't be, if you're listening to this and you're a landlord, you should just stop. Um, but if you are going to be a landlord, then the, there's a thing that you need and it's called a HMO license. And that is a house of multiple occupants. And you need these for any properties that you own where more than where five people or more are, are staying as your tenants. And if you do not have a HMO license, various councils across the UK have various different um, punishments for this. Mm. And in Manchester City Council specifically, this is a, quote, indefinite fine. So you could be oh. fined whatever they think <laughs> whatever they think is is tangible for you to afford based on your income based on your uh you know what what, what your sort of uh, i guess housing um portfolio says oh, you so might be able to afford does this mean it's like an indefinite fine as in there there is no upper cap to it or does it yep. mean like they indefinitely like every week they find you or is it just no one... there's no upper cap that's what it means so it's oh, like okay. wow. yeah you could be fined however much it's it's supposed to be based on as i said like the housing portfolio so yeah. if you're a landlord that's got like 20 gaffs and they're all yeah, hmos yeah. and they're all unlicensed you know you could be fined millions of pounds because yeah, yeah. you're raking in so much though you might be charging 500 pound a tenant yeah you know um times by five 2500 pound uh a gaff times 20 you, you're yeah. making like twenty thousand pound a month it's it's absurd so yeah, yeah. You know, um, so that's the kind of thing. And this is just one small thing that this guy mm. has failed on. Um, but the really exciting thing is, is that, you know, we talk on Red Planet a lot about building power and taking away 
the reliance of people, um, you know, on, on governments and stuff like that. And this is a really exciting opportunity for the union because not only do we have two houses, but both of these two houses, every single occupant, every single tenant wants to get involved in the union, wants to get involved in the dispute. And that is a huge opportunity for mobilization in terms of like, well, this is like 10 new members. So that's money for the union, which we can use to fund various different, you know, actions, etc., committee stuff. Um, and also out of these 10 members, there's a potential for every single one of them to become an activist with the union. And they could start a campaign in their area. They could open a new branch. They could do all sorts of stuff. There's so much potential for this one singular dispute. Um, so it's really, really exciting. So I've been just sort of like supporting some of the MSOs. Um, I'm actually really proud because the person who is leading on this dispute is one of the MSOs that I've trained up. Um, so uh, yeah, it's it's really really big uh, for me in terms of like you know um, things that I've been helping the union with uh, as 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 the elected as one of the elected member solidarity officers. So yeah, very cool. Uh, but that's me and Kira. What have what have you done this week that is based? Well, nothing nearly as impressive as the two of you. Um, very self absorbed stuff, but still, um, I guess I guess uh, I've been dating. And I've limited my dating, like I said before, to like only like communists and socialists, anarchists. And so I went on a date with the socialists, and then I went on a date with the communists. And it was really cool. Like when I went on the date with the communists, he like took me around this part of the city that I've never seen before and showed me a bunch of like an like an anarchist bookshop and like an like like lefty art and stuff. And that was really cool to see. And it was really nice to get in touch with like another human being, like a flesh and blood person that's not just like an entity on the internet, you know? No offense to the two of you, but you know, like- yeah. No offense to you, internet entity. So But that was really, that was really fun. Um, and so, yeah, like it, it's not the most super ultra based thing, but um, it was, it was really, really nice to experience. And it's made me really want to start exploring um, like, you know, that part of the city and like maybe get to know more people in that area because it does seem like a pretty base area. Unlike my area, which is apparently where all the cops live. I just, I learned this recently. I'm in, I'm in the area mm. where all the cops live. And I was like, it's, it's made me feel like really, I, I was, I felt really, really alienated and horrible ever since like being in this area. And I never, I always just thought it was just this entire city, but no, 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 no. I live in the cop neighborhood, which explains a lot. So, um, yeah that that's that, that does that count as like semi-base i think, I think that like that, yeah go on too. yeah yeah like you know um we have said that a bunch of times we've talked to people and assigned it as homework as a thing about like getting out there and knowing people in your area you know like and kind of like linking up with other people that you know kind of share your uh share your politics and stuff so you know i think that's based um mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 I would say that, like, you know, you are, you've wanted for a long time to, like, go out and, like, you know, meet meet more people, and this is part of, like, your um, whole plan, right? You spoke to us about this, like, a couple of, a couple of weeks on the run, like, you know, you want to get out there, you want to find out more stuff, and, like, you're actually gonna, like, through... Like, even if you don't end up, like, dating this person, like, for real or seriously or anything like that, through that experience, you're gonna, like, meet 
people, organizations in your area that you could like potentially get involved with. So that's mm. really yeah, like exciting, the little bookstore. Like, yeah, that's, cool, that's really you know? exciting. I love um, places like that where it's like there's a physical place that you know, like a yeah, like a little anarchist or comic book store or whatever like that, because it's like sometimes you're just like fuck it. I just want to. I just want to go somewhere. And I want to do something for a little while or whatever. You know, I love like going to secondhand bookstores and stuff anyway, but just being like, okay, well, you know, I've got the afternoon free. I'm going to go down there. I'm going to, you know, see if there's any cool like books or zines or like, you know, see in like, you know, a lot of places like that, they'll have little poster boards for things that are happening in the area and all that kind of stuff. So I feel like, um, yeah, just like, you know, knowing that that place is out there and you can go up there. That's like a pretty cool thing and you know helps kind of connect you with the community so yeah oh i should also say that i should also say that um on the dates uh uh, both those dates were very much giving um like caring a lot about covid apparently there's another variant that's going around so um i make it really very like i'm very um what's the word i'm looking for I, I don't waver on this, which I felt, I feel like a lot of pressure from people to just be like, nah, just pretend it doesn't exist. But COVID totally exists. And I care. I'm not immunocompromised, but you know, like I care about our, our disabled friends and I care about creating disabilities and either myself or in others. Um, so like, I'm really happy that uh, both dates were very much like safe, especially because the weather is getting nicer. So it's really great that we can, you know, be safe and actually have a life soon, or at least, at least in my area, maybe yeah. not in your hemisphere. I, <laughs> I, um, I totally like feel that Kira. And I do want to echo that too, because like, I'm the same as you, I'm not immunocompromised, but I'm well aware of the like severity of COVID and like the new variants going around and stuff like that. I do think that unfortunately, because like the wider, um, you know, uh, uh, I guess like public in, in, in the West um, d- are in denial about this. We're actually quite lucky if we've had vaccines because if there's a variant going around, it's not going to be the variant that everyone was worried about, which is like, you know, if, if everyone uh, is vaccinated, then, um, you know, it will be a vaccine immune variant. But actually because of the lack of people having vaccines and boosters, it's probably like you're probably going to be more protected as, as as someone who's vaccinated. Like it sucks for people who haven't been keeping up with boosters and haven't been getting vaccinated. But like there's so much to it. And, and I think that like there's that to remember. But then there's also like you say, like being like outside and 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 having dates outside you're much safer outside and 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 i do think genuinely that that people are in denial people don't want to accept that there is this like massive threat that that is like and i think that people think it's so big that 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 we can't handle it but it's actually very easily managed if you just like wear n95 masks if you're going Mm -hmm. shopping and all this kind of stuff and you know like you say going outside and keeping up with your vaccines like it's 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 really stressful but i think i think that people are also going to be forced to accept it again very soon because unfortunately like you say there's a new variant coming around and it's gonna start it's gonna start popping off again right you know what i mean so i think that that's a really fair um thing to to say and i i do want to echo that for the listeners of the show covid's still out there you know it's 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 not gone away it's still happening i know people who've had it um my partner went to to voice therapy recently and there was a guy they they all did covid tests before um you know before they went in and there was there was a guy there and he was like oh shit i gotta go it's i got covid so 
yeah, it's it's not something that's just uh, kind of stopped happening, despite what neoliberal capitalism wants us to think. Mm. Anyway, sorry, did you have anything else that you wanted to add, Kira? No, sorry. <laughs> feel no, like I no, 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 because uh, I appreciate you saying all that because I'm tired of saying it myself. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I'm the only person that's like, hello, <laughs> like what's going on here? Like, especially from people that are in like our circles, you know, it's one thing if it's like, liberal Joe or, or, you know, Sally, you know, Sally at first amendment, first amendment Sally. (laughs) (laughs) But like, if it's like comrades that I'm like, come on, come on. And I know that that, like, I, I am so far from, from even expecting people to be like hundred percent compliant with all these things, but at least a, a little, like I, I don't want you want to say that. I want to. I don't want to ask for crumbs, but it is really sad that the crumbs aren't even there. You know, it's like if you're listening or you're watching right now, or um, if you're just, just please, just get vaccinated if you can and uh, wear a mask. There's, it's such an affordable, affordable, accessible way to improve the material conditions of our comrades. It's, it's just oh, like. Yeah. And it's also a visible representation of you giving a like giving a shit about people. Um, and it really breaks my heart when I see comrades just like, don't do that. It's 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 hard for me to like think of, I don't know, this is a whole rant I'm going to get into. I don't want to get into it. But, you know, just, just come on. All right. <laughs> Enough of it. Thank yeah, you. Sure. And also, source, I'm an epidemiologist. Okay, so don't even, don't even try. Yeah, exactly. Don't test it. <laughs> I always forget about that. I always forget yeah. that you're actually an epidemiologist, yeah. you know. Yeah. I went to school. Wait, I published so. papers, all right? So you can't, you know. We have uh, news to get into, uh, but before we do get into the news, we want to know what base things that you've been doing. Uh, you can message us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, or send an email to based at redplanetshow.com. Include your name, your pronouns, uh, and if you're cool with that, we may sh- shout it out in a later episode. So please, please, please get in touch with us. But as for the news that we're going to speak about, Tim. Tell us about some draconian business. <laughs> some draconian. I always thought that word was like so wild, you know, because it sounds like dragon. It sounds like it sounds like okay. um yeah. anything that says draconian in front of it sounds like it's like some kind of like Dungeons and Dragons enchanted weapon, like a draconian prison. Like, could we real quick? Yeah, could we real quick just say about how, like, in this context, like, well, in fact, in most contexts, when this word is used nowadays, it just means fascist. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I think it it, like typically means like really, um, you know, like uh, like an extremely um kind of uh, you know, like a harsh interpretation of laws or like a, you know, a draconian landlord would be one that is like a very like, you know, just a a miserly um, sheriff of Nottingham type, I guess. I don't know. Um, So, yeah. So a Kiwi climate activist given draconian prison sentence in UK. That was a headline. So um, a New Zealand man jailed for his role in a climate protest has been handed the longest prison sentence of its kind in British history. So of its kind, not the longest you know, sentence in British history. But um, this guy, Morgan Trowland, a civil engineer from Ashburton, from what I understand, he's actually a, um, like a bridge designer. That's what he does for job. So he's been sentenced uh, to three years imprisonment 
for a protest action that shut down a busy road in London last year. Trowland and another man, Marcus Decker, used ropes to scale the Queen Elizabeth II bridge in October. The bridge is heavily used by commuters and freight traffic. So I feel like as his job is like like he's a he's a bridge guy so he would have done it you know he would have done it safely he would have known exactly what he was doing and all that kind of stuff um but still going up there to um to protest uh they took up a banner uh for just stop oil who we've talked about a bit on here they've you know done various kind of um i would say highly highly visible kind of public protest actions we had um, one of the national organizers on my friend sean yeah 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 we did actually yeah and um so yes they threw the banner down and stayed up for about 36 hours and then so since then they've spent the last six months in custody and were sentenced just this week under a controversial new law designed to give authorities more power to deter disruptive protests so they've already been like locked up for six months which is wild um and so uh yeah and it's it's wild like listening to the judges statements and stuff like you said um you have to be punished both for the chaos you caused and to deter others from seeking to copy you judge shane collery casey said at sentencing you plainly believed you knew better than everyone else and it did not matter if people suffered in consequence so long as it allowed you to impart your message. It's like, okay, Is dude, like, are you, well, it's just like, yeah, it's like, are you familiar with the concept of protesting? Um, but <laughs> no, you know, yeah, it's, it's wild. This thing, you plainly believe you knew better than everyone else. Whereas like, I think that like these kind of climate protests, uh, like they're the opposite of that i would say i feel like it's like saying like like we all know that this is bad right like there's no there's no one that is like seriously engaged with the with the science and everything like that that really kind of you know disputes this stuff it's something like you know like 99.9 percent of all scientists agree you know that climate change is happening and all that kind of stuff um so it's it's really like you know it's like the petrochemical billionaires and stuff they're the ones that are like the the 0.1 percent that believe they know better than everyone else that are telling us it's not a you know problem or anything like that i also think it's funny that like the judge is sitting there being like you think you know better than everyone else we're like that's my job (laughs) your whole job is to be a guy that says because of a bunch of other guys allowed me to i get to sit here and tell you that i know more than you and you know i get to make these like decisions it's just it's just disgusting to see like the power of what an institution can provide people they just feel like because they're backed by one that none of these criticisms could ever apply to them they're immune from them but a single entity like a a human being making extremely reasonable like 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 extremely um reasonable protest considering like the stakes and considering how much how much all these peaceful protests how much asking petitioning so and so forth has done nothing it's just like it's it's disgusting 
which yeah, I think while, everyone agrees with. <laughs> like that statement, you have to be punished both for the chaos you caused and to, to deter others from seeking to copy you is like, I think that speaks a lot to the mindset as well. You know, like when we're seeing more of these kind of actions, particularly by groups like Just Stop Oil and stuff, they're, they are really worried that people are going to be doing more and more things like this, you know? So I think it's like, it's 100% more to do with this deterring others than the actual kind of like chaos caused or whatever you know the disruption of the day and i mean like there would have been disruption you know there would have been people that had like you know fucking job interviews maybe like medical appointments or whatever like that but um from um a lot of people i have heard speak that have been involved in these kind of actions and i think there was even a statement from these guys as well where they said they were like yeah we understand that there's a disruption but we believe that the that climate change is a bigger issue than you know like any single little thing like this you know so um yes yeah, so it was new zealand based sister holly trial and said that the sentence was inappropriate for what he did i was shocked it was so long considering this was a non-violent protest she told stuff the uk government is making a statement that they prefer to take drastic action against those who speak up about climate change over taking any actual action on climate change itself I hope Aotearoa does not follow suit. She said her brother was unwilling to pass the buck on taking action against the climate crisis. I'm very proud of him and support what he did. She said, my brother is much braver, braver than I am. So, um, yeah, nice statement from the sister there. It's, um, yeah, it is, it is like, she has a point, you know, like it's, it was a nonviolent protest. Um, and it's like, you know, like you see people all the time get, you know, busted for like way, way worse things, but just don't don't really get sentenced the same. Um, and yeah, like I definitely think that the the climate crisis is kind of hitting a point where um, like they're going to start doing more more and more kind of extreme things to kind of push back against activists. Um, we've, we've seen that so much recently with, um, yeah, climate and environmentalists um yeah protesters getting like wild sentences um even you know like stuff that is like climate but also kind of like you know like adjacent to other stuff like the cop city stuff like you know when we're looking at like the way that those um those protesters are engaged with from you know like the cops straight up shooting people to like the way that they are referred to as terrorists in the news and all this kind of stuff it's um yeah, like they're really kind of, I guess, um, kind of marking out a kind of path for the way that, you know, like law enforcement and like the media are going to kind of um, engage with a lot of the stuff kind of going forward. I think, yeah, sentence like this is just a, just a part of that. But um, uh, Kira, why don't you jump over to the news and give us a little bit of um, info. We've got a story here about um, a Sega of America workers unionizing. What's going on there? Well, um, who in the audience is a gamer? And if you're, if you're uh, listening to the podcast, feel free. Like we love, we love audience um, participation. Feel free to just take an opportunity to yell yes or no. Who here in the audience is a gamer? Or maybe it wouldn't be yes or no. It'd be I just me. Heard them. 
Yeah. I'm a gamer. I'm a gamer. I'm sorry. I admit it. I'm ashamed. I'm but... also a gamer. Uh, yeah, Sega. Um, I've been known to game. Yeah. <laughs> Sega um, makes a lot of really great games, and the Amer- Sega of America workers are unionizing, which is very exciting. There's a big unionization wave happening right now in like uh, tech. Um, so if successful, it'll be the first cross-departmental union in the american games industry yeah just fyi like the video game industry is if you if 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 y'all aren't aware i think a lot of gamers are aware and if you're a gamer you're not aware you should be very aware of like what the products you're consuming like the way it's created there's a lot of exploitation in the develop of video game industry um it's 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 an industry that's like really notorious for like treating its workers poorly like long hours low pay they have this like crunch culture where you know they try to like meet these absurd deadlines under these very like oppressive like uh a a very very oppressive uh settings and they make workers like work way overtime oftentimes not even compensated for the overtime to hit these deadlines so it can lead to all the stress and like mental health issues and you know so and so forth everything that overworking and underpaying can can do to a person there was um I remember listening to I think it was a Waypoint podcast a while back like this is when the first God of War came out and there was um they were talking about crunch in the industry and um the game director dude what's his name like Corey Barlog or something like that he did this interview where he was talking about like the long hours and the pressure everyone was under but then he was like you know, like, oh, but this is what we do to make our dreams come true, you know? And it's like, that's the thing, because games are like a dream industry for so many people. But they were putting out, um, it was like Austin Butler and some others were talking about how it's like, yeah, that's what they sell you on, but it's it's their dream that you're making come true, you know? And all these workers were saying, like, we were the ones that were working the late nights. We were leaving late after everyone else. Well, like, these guys were going out and doing their own things. You know, they were like, taking an early lunch and people going off to, you know, do like social events and all this kind of stuff while they were, you know, they were the ones like sitting there doing all the crunch time, doing all that kind of stuff. So it's like, yeah, you like, you're not, um, you well, very few people actually get to the point where it's their dream that they are making come true. You're just kind of like, um, you know, you're like doing the basic kind of, you know, like more like the menial labor sort of thing like fulfilling um someone else's target someone else's creative work or whatever like that and um yeah and it's like it, it is just like anything else you know you might think like oh yeah cool I'm going into games and I'm going to be like you know playing around with like all kind of cool mechanics all day and stuff like that but it's like the reality is it's like an industry just like anything else and um yeah and a lot of these people will sacrifice a lot in terms of the conditions that they work under just to to stay in it hoping that one day they'll be the one that's the one that's dreaming not the one that's working but um me and um, Conrad were actually talking about this uh, before the show as well it's impressive that it is the first cross departmental union in the American games industry um which I know you already read out but um we uh, like we've talked about other like industries and the kind of uh, other unions in the games industries before on here a lot of them are like with um you know like the QA teams and things like that it's yeah this is like the first one I think that I've ever seen that is like full-on like across you know across all the different departments so because a lot of the time like 
management will try and play different departments off each other, you know, and like it is a lot of the time departments like QA, um, like quality insurance, they're the ones that get like, you know, like they're usually first on the chopping block. They're usually, because they're the ones that like, you know, test the games to make sure that they're okay or whatever, you know, like play them through, play test, all that kind of stuff. And um, so they're considered pretty expendable. But um, it's really awesome to see all the departments, like, you know, programmers, designers, artists, everything like that coming together with the QA, with all that kind of stuff. And then, um, yeah, you know, kind of uniting like like Voltron. Sorry, <laughs> you can carry on now. No, um, no, 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 uh, no. This, that, that was great. Um, and uh, just as an aside, I can relate in a sense to being a full-time streamer and having my... Uh, very, very legitimate grievances with the labor that is um, mandated in order to survive in this industry be dismissed because it's a dream job and I'm so lucky and blah, 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 Uh, which is, it's odd that it's still in the same kind of universe as gamers because of it being on Twitch, which is just just an interesting little little detail there, you know. Um, Anyway, so there's 140 employees at the Irvine, California office of Sega and uh, they're unionizing under the name Allied Employees Guild Improving Sega, uh, or AEGIS, 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 I don't know. Aegis, yeah. Yeah. So the acronym is AEGIS. Um, and that's like is- a very good, that's like such a sick, like, you know, acronym. Because <laughs> isn't a- Aegis is like, uh, um, it's an old word for like. It's a shield or a breastplate uh, emblematic of majesty. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's like, I think like it's one for like Greek myth or something like that. It was like the Aegis of like Zeus or something like that. And it was like, you know, like it was an object that was like representative of their power or whatever like that, which is like so rad to be like, yeah, you know, like we're a union and we're like a shield or like, you know, whatever we are like this, whatever it is, this defensive armor object. And we, um, you know, we're all, you know, together. it's also like pretty anime as well, right? Like, you know, like <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, I love how the sword guy knows this, but I, the Greek, don't know that. <laughs> oh, um... <laughs> um, the shield so, yeah. of Athena, Nerolon is saying in the chat. Oh, thank you, Ner. Um, in a statement, the employees noted that nearly a third of Sega's longtime workers are still not working full time and lack paid time off proper training and bereavement leave um just fyi the the lack of benefits plus the fact that uh, a lot of the workers are not allowed to be full-time workers um and be able to reap the benefits of that type of like state uh title i think a lot of us can relate to it (laughs) working jobs like i remember when i worked at starbucks i was repeatedly prohibited from taking on more hours so i could be eligible for benefits Instead, our our um our shop would just keep hiring more and more people uh, to fill in the gaps. So it yeah, sucks like they'll when that say happens. like, oh yeah, you know, like that you need to be over a certain amount of hours or whatever, and they'll keep you under it. And they're like, oh no, it's good to like, you know, it'll be good for you. You'll get like a bit of work life balance, or like, you know, and they'll just like hire like mm-hmm. casual staff or whatever to fill the gaps and stuff. But it's like, yeah, every industry does this. It's so scummy. Yeah. So uh, Sega employees are calling for higher base pay with raises tied to the cost of living and inflation, improved healthcare benefits, increased opportunities for advancement, balanced workloads and scheduling, clearly defined responsibilities for all positions, and adequate staffing to avoid patterns of overwork. And I even saw them discussing um, more control over their creative products, which I think is really awesome. Um, Because we know that these corporations, like they're just run by a bunch of profit 
hungry suits will just stifle all creative input unless they think it's like a tried and true method that's definitely going to like, you know, it's just going to crank out the same garbage. Um, and that that's really stifles like a ton of like amazing talent. And a lot of times, like you were saying, Tim, a lot of the people that get involved in this industry are gamers. And they're like, the people that are running these corporations are not. Like they're no tied to the product. So yeah, yeah. I know so many people that have worked in the industry where they've been like, oh yeah, we were working on this really amazing thing. Like my little department, we were, we figured out this new mechanic or whatever like that. And then like, you know, some guys from like the board or like higher up came down and were like showing us on their phone, like, you know, how their kid was obsessed with Fortnite. We had to like strip everything out and make it more like Fortnite, (laughs) like, you know, just stuff like that, where it's like these people that aren't, aren't gamers and not, or they don't have like, aside from just not being gamers like they don't have a technical understanding of like what makes a game or whatever and that's um yeah you know that's why you get like weird games like like cyberpunk where it's like a million things pushed together and you look at the production and it's like oh yeah we've restarted this game like four times or whatever and um you know just like all these ridiculous things where these like these suits that just um you know like they'll they'll see some article and it'll be like oh call of duty that's you know stocks going up okay we gotta we gotta remake the new sonic the hedgehog game it's sonic of duty now and you gotta you gotta buy the loot box rings do you know what it reminds me of it reminds me of like when my mom or anyone else who's not at all um remotely like in the streamer business will give me streamer advice They'll be like, I went on to Twitch and I saw that the biggest game right now is Fortnite. So I think you should start playing Fortnite. And that way you can get more viewers. And then you need to just, and they'll just repeat what they see like some really big streamer do. And they're like, that's what you do. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't even have enough time to go into that rant fully. Just trust me. It's not the way to go. <laughs> you got to cut your hair short. You got to dye it like <laughs> maybe like bright blue, little spiky blue hair. Got to be a little bit gotta, of a misogynist. Um, yeah, yeah. You got to be get real misogynist. And you gotta, um... <laughs> don't moderate your chat. Don't do not do that. Yeah, don't moderate your chat. Yeah, and this is a fictional person. We're not describing an actual real flesh and blood streamer on Twitch.tv that Twitch loves to throw into all their ads. We're not talking about that person. Yeah, and it's like descri- literally described like like hundreds of hundreds of streamers <laughs> and their um, <laughs> you know their little emulators. Yeah, 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 I don't know if there's anything else we wanted to add to the gamer article. Um, there's a little note down the bottom that it says like their biggest demand was that um that at the end of every um, work day that Sonic the Hedgehog will come down to the office and just pat everyone on the back and say, good job, buddy. Good job. Well, there's those, there's those, um, I don't know if anyone's seen uh, the person Swoletaria on TikTok who does all the um, Sonic the Hedgehog uh, giving you advice on how to unionize videos. Oh, um, I did see one of those recently. I think someone posted it in, in the um, Red Planet Discord and it's they like... Did. It's so polished. It's like it's, it's so amazing. Good. Like the guys are a professional animator. Um, and there's all these like it's great because it's like a, a little sort of um comedy duo with like Sonic and Knuckles, and Knuckles is like, wait, so you're telling me that wage theft is this? And then Sonic's like, Yeah, that's what it is. And then like Knuckles just goes and like steals a bunch of rings from Eggman. It's fucking great. It's it's really, really good. Awesome. Anyways, Mule. Would you like yes. to, I'm wondering, what's going on with our comrades in Germany, our German comrades? 
let me tell you what's going on with our German comrades. So, uh, the German climate activist group, let's, I might say this wrong, let's the generation, which means last generation, um, are, have been staging the 10th day of controversial protests in Berlin. I think this might be uh, the 10th day based on the source uh, that we found it on, which, is, uh, which was on Friday. So on Friday, it was the 10th day um, of, uh, quote unquote, controversial protests. Um, this is something I wanted to talk about. Where, well, this, this relates to the news piece that Tim was talking about in terms of, you know, um, how people are starting to feel about um, climate protests. Um, and I think that, like, there's like a big push in neoliberal media, which is just the mainstream media, to be honest, um, trying to encourage elements of stochastic acts of the state. So, you know, like in the Matrix, when random people just become Agent Smith, they're trying to make that happen, basically. I've seen, I've seen instances of this, like, happen in... You know what I mean? I've seen I've seen instances of this happen in the UK where they'll be like, uh, just stop oil, doing a slow march down the road, and some rando guy just like runs up to him and like starts like stealing the banners off them and going like, oh, you're all idiots, what are you doing? And like, you know, they're not really achieving anything. They're just annoying the protesters and then like, you know, and then I actually saw one of them get mad at the cops and go, why aren't you doing your job? When in fact, actually like the, yeah, the, the, the cops actually are, um, you know, <laughs> going to be doing their job after the protest when they like follow them home and shit. So anyway, this is kind of like the, you know, so the, the, the media framing it as controversial is part of that. And it's horrible um in terms of like you know how they're wording this in this source that we found but the thing that we want to talk about really is the fact that yeah they, they they've been gluing themselves to roads they've been bringing traffic to a standstill trying to get people to be aware of the climate crisis hundreds of members of the campaign group last generation uh let's degeneration of blocked roads during rush hour in the german capital this week in berlin it's caused long traffic jams for commuters making their way into the city the group says that they're drawing attention to the need for government action on the growing threat of climate change. Uh, one of them said, this morning we again blocked many traffic junctions in the city center. Oh, this was um, last generation on Twitter. Uh, in doing so, we oppose the government's breach of the constitution, which does not protect our livelihoods. The group's main demand is the creation of a climate social council that would bring ordinary citizens together to work out how Germany can end the use of fossil fuels in a socially just manner for 2030. Um, you know, it really kind of sucks in terms of, um, you know, uh, how how these, these, these uh, I guess, um, deadlines just keep getting pushed back and back and back and back. And the way that the state is coming down hard on climate activists um i think it's it's really only going to result in a a scenario where more extremist climate activists are going to start taking action um whether that be sabotage whether that be like uh you know more violent you know methods of protests like the state will keep doing this stuff and people will keep getting mad at them until the point comes where you know, someone gets hurt or, you know, something gets blown up. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh shit. Yeah. We should have just listened to these, these guys walking down the road real slow. 
Speaking of, um, there's that uh, How to Blow Up a Pipeline, the um, the book that we have talked about extensively on here. The movie just came out of that. Um, Soph went and saw it this week and said that um, that it was a great time and that um, I think she's going to maybe put something up on her Patreon talking more extensively about it. But um, yeah, I can't wait, to, can't wait to check that out. And I really hope that it... Um, I hope that the movie's message is as kind of striking as that of the book and that a bunch of people see it and go, oh, wait, you know, like this is, um, you know, like this is something that we should be that we should be thinking about. This is something that we should be doing. Yeah, Sophie, um, (laughs) Sophie, Sophie said she was going to go watch the movie um in the discord and then like maybe an hour later she just wrote in all caps holy fucking shit guys so i think i think that's a pretty uh shining recommendation from what uh from what we can go off uh but yeah anyway um yeah tim yeah absolutely i think that that's i think people will start seeing like you know and and we have to remember like you know a lot of uh, indigenous people have been on the the front line of of climate activism for a long long time you know especially the wet sweating people in what is now known as british columbia you know uh, preventing pipelines from being built taken apart um caterpillar plants and stuff like that you know all that stuff is like that stuff that's been going on and it's 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 it we're only going to see more and more stuff yeah yeah i mean even down here it's like yeah it's it's huge i think it's um yeah like what you're saying it's we're gonna see more and more of this going on um and i think that like it is it's getting to the point where you know you see these you see like the just stop oil stuff and even the people that are inconvenienced or annoyed by it or whatever they're like yeah it's you know whatever they did was fucking annoying and i'm not you know like i don't necessarily agree with their means or whatever but they're people are generally like but they're right like we know they're right you know so um yeah i think it's going to be it's interesting to see how that uh developed there was a there was a similar um action to the german one i think it might have even been coordinated down here down south um it was like a couple of days ago some people glued themselves to the bridge um but it was hard like i didn't even like really hear about it until a couple of days later i feel like there wasn't really as much um I don't know, like maybe it wasn't so much of a coordinated thing and they didn't, yeah, it was um, when I first saw it, it was like hard to tell exactly what the, what the messaging was supposed to be. But, um, yeah, so anyway, uh, next one, we'll get through these last ones pretty quick. Uh, yeah. So the Writers Guild of America strike looms over US entertainment industry. So there's been a couple of these in recent memory. Um, and the last one was like huge and kind of headlong term ramifications for the the entertainment industry for you know like years basically but um yeah so uh basically if the writers guild of america and the alliance of motion picture and television producers fail to reach a minimum bargaining agreement by may the 1st hollywood um yeah is days away from what could be a huge a massive disruption to the film and tv industry Writers say that they want a living wage as streaming devalues their work, even as it demands more of their time. And studios say that the Guild is asking too much at the wrong time. Streaming has to focus on revenue when it is used to value, when it is used to value subscriber accounts. 
So on April 17th, the WGA, that's the um, Writers Guild of America, um, the members overwhelmingly approved a strike authorization vote. So that gives the Guild permission from its over uh, 11,500 television and movie writers to initiate a strike if the two sides can't make a deal. So the strike authorization vote was approved by 97.78% of the members who voted, a record for the Guild in terms of unity, but also in terms of members who submitted ballots. So both more people voting than they have ever had before, and most of them all, you know, agreeing uh, that they should strike. So, um, yeah, it gives the Guild a lot of leverage in the remaining days of talks with uh, the AM. PTP, which is the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, and proves they mean business. So basically that means that, like, if, yeah, if they can't figure out this deal, then they're good to strike. So that shows the producers that it's like, hey, look, we can, you know, like, at a drop of a hat, like, we can just do this, you know? And so, um, yeah, the last one was back in, the last big one was back in 2007 when they fought for regulated payment over content moving to what they referred to at the time as new media. But that's like, that was streaming, like Netflix and stuff before people, before people knew what streaming was, they used to call it new media, you know, like online services or whatever. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's back when Netflix was still making DVDs and had just kind of, like branched into the streaming thing so um yeah and because all this stuff is still new you know like there's they have to figure out new ways to handle it that are fair to everyone involved but um yeah so enough of the even though they were making dvds enough of the content existed online that already that writers knew they were like hey we need to kind of reconfigure these things so um that was last one was a 100 day work stoppage that went from 2007 into early 2008. And um, so it's funny because it, it affects different kinds of shows and movies in different ways. So basically all movies and everything like that just stop because they got nothing to write. Or if they do continue, if they, you know, like uh, sometimes they might manage to hire scabs, but if, you, if you're caught breaking the strike, it doesn't mean that you'll never work in Hollywood again, but you'll never, they'll never hire, oh, well, um, the, the Writers Guild of America will never take you on. So you're like permanently locked out of, you know, the guild for, um, if you're, if you're a scab, but um, a lot of movies kind of ended up shooting anyway and were really terrible. So um, like they would do things like, um, I think it was uh, Quantum of Solace, uh, the bad James Bond movie. Ooh, yeah. They already had, a preliminary script but they went on and shot it anyway but because they weren't no writers were allowed to work on it the only people that had authorization because of existing contract stuff was the director and daniel craig were the only people that were allowed to make modifications to the script or dialogue or anything which is why it's like a really shitty jumbled mess because it's like they don't have actual writers on there because you know they're like oh shit the scene doesn't really work normally you'd have someone on hand to like rewrite it and be like okay cool it makes sense if we do it this way or if we do it this way it adds to the cohesion of these elements or whatever but um because they didn't have you know writers on hand they just made this like you know shitty movie or whatever and that's what happens right um otherwise the studios usually pivot to just making reality tv shows and that's when you know you see these big booms of like reality tv shows because it's unscripted um it's always funny to me though that it is the the um 
like those kind of like evening um talk shows and like you know midday talk shows those ones get they they have to stop as well because they're ridiculously scripted they just pretend that they're not um so yeah you know back then it was like um all like yeah 30 rock big bang theories heroes and a bunch of other shows yeah 24 entourage they all had their seasons cut short because they were like well we can't make anything if you can't you know we don't have anything written so um at the moment um writers basically exist on um uh their work being re-aired on you know like tv stations or like you know like um if they get you know like if if they get dvd releases and stuff like that but it's like they they're trying to get more of um a cut from streaming and stuff so um yeah uh another trend that um wga wants to reign in is a mini room in which a group of writers come up with stories for a full season of a show before hiring a full writing staff this format can allow a singular writer or showrunner to hatch a show's entire arc but as one mini room writer recently explained to indywire and in practice it means writers do the full amount of work for far less pay if they develop storylines well in advance the streamer or network may only have to pay if the show is picked up to a second season so um and then there's the ai question so the technology is in its infancy but the guild sees how studios might view ai as a screenwriting workhorse they've always wanted ai generated material often bases its results on guild protected copyrighted material but that work emerges without credit or payment the guild is fighting to make sure ai can't be used to rewrite a script or that a robot can't be covered by the guild's bargaining agreement so that's super interesting right like the idea that like you know they could get uh, a basic script out of an ai and just like rewrite it on the fly or they could like you know like any script that they come up with is going to be derivative of things that it's been trained on and all that shit is like already legally protected by the guild so um yeah you know like um it's there's a lot of new territory new territory there that they really need to um you know like that they need to figure out going forward how these writers are going to be fairly compensated for their work um and kind of also it's just like it's hard as like a creative worker to um to make a living uh and I guess even just like retire and stuff you know like you see these people that work in these industries until they die because they don't you know like if you if you're like a producer or something on a show you can get you know residuals on that until you you know until you die or whatever from all the different ways it's produced uh but for writers and stuff it's like you know you don't really get that but um yeah anyway uh what about Kira what about the um this public order bill that the UK are doing what's going on over there this bill this public order bill it's 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 really bad um So on the 26th of April, the final stages of the public order bill finally passed the House of Lords. The bill introduced yet more fascist powers to restrict people's fundamental rights to peaceful protest. It's we've talked about this before, right? Um, Is this the same bill that the House of Lords rejected before? Same one. Yeah, they made amendments to it. And now they're like, no, it's actually still now it's okay. So so even without the public order bill, protests can be shut down if they're considered too noisy or likely to be a nuisance. Um, Now, this is giving police significant new powers to prevent protests occurring outside of major transport areas, oil and gas and energy supplies. Um, It makes locking on a new criminal offense 
by the way. So um, locking on being when you, isn't that when you like cuff yourself? Yeah, or even or even gluing yourself to something. So either tying yourself, using like a bike lock, using some chains. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't it um, like it includes other stuff, like even just like slow walking in certain areas, right? Like, because you know, well, for like people doing marches and stuff. But yeah, there's loads more. I think I think that Kira is going to cover on that. Yeah, there's 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 loads of different things. Yeah. So they're also extending the use of stop and search powers, including suspicionless stop and search to protests, which is something that we've seen before in America, um, like explicitly allowed in New York City where uh, the stop and search program was used remarkably to target black people primarily. (laughs) Yeah. Shocking. Um, Yeah. So that's vile. And also introducing of new protest banning orders that would prevent individuals from attending protests at all. So we're just seeing more of these fascist powers trying to stifle very legitimate, legitimate, uh, shows of, of, of like protests that are occurring even peaceful protests if you if you chain yourself to a door that's not a, that's not violent right but making that illegal i mean they're just pro- our our stance at red planet is we don't advocate for any of these types of uh, actions you know we're just here to tell you that they're definitely gonna happen necessarily yeah a lot of these countries they do have like you know like right your right to protest you know and i know that like rights are this kind of like thing that can be like given and taken away you know like and it's kind of like you know what's considered a human right at any given time just depends on what the state is willing to allow you sort of thing but um yeah it's like this thing where it's like okay you're no you're allowed to protest but you're only allowed to do it through these sorry through these avenues that the state allows you to do because it's easy for us to ignore them then you know and it's like outlaw anything that actually kind of like affects um you know like uh affects any like form of like production or anything like that you know like anything that could seriously affect the state gets outlawed and then they go like well you know like we've created these avenues for you to protest but you don't really want to use them it's like because that doesn't do anything you know yeah it's so, a, a good rule yeah. of thumb and from that i've seen is that if there's a if there's an um someone in, or an entity in authority like the state and when you are expressing your very legitimate grievances they get no, no 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 you have to go through our approved channels and that's the only way you're allowed to express those grievances it's because they control those channels yeah, yeah, exactly. You're not going to get anything out of that. Yeah, it's specifically because they control those channels is why they want you to go through them because it's never going to lead to any sort of actual fundamental change where they're going to be like, you know, removed from power. So um, it helps to maintain their continued power over you. And so just, you know, just a fun little tidbit, not telling you to do anything, not telling you to go outside of approved channels, of course, we would never. But just just so you know, that's what's happening. That's 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 how the hot dog is made. The sausage is made. Okay. And we have to go to the next. We have to do our, our one last story because we're running a little behind. We do have guests. We have two comrades of the show. So comrades of the show, Palestine Action. If y'all remember, uh, this week, Palestine Action began their siege of let let. Can you say that for me? Like, like history? No, I can't Lester. say it because then, yeah, yeah. Because I, yeah. yeah. See, to me, it's like Lee sister or whatever. But then, Lee you know, then the, then the Brits make fun of me. And then, you know. Um... Don't worry, Tim. You're absolutely right. Okay, I can't, I'll make fun I of can't say Iotearoa. 
That might yeah. have been the right way of saying it. I don't know. Yeah. Right. No, it's so, not. Uh, Leicester's <laughs> Elbit Factory. So Pals on Action began their siege against that factory. Um, it's called UAV Tactical Systems. Not only does their military equipment supply Israel and the ongoing genocide against Palestinians, but they build watchkeeper drones, which are used to surveil and harass migrants seeking refuge in, in Britain by patrolling the English Channel. Uh, they have multiple activists camped out in trees and various hammocks and slings, along with activists on the ground, besieging the factory um, and not intending to let any supplies, workers, or security in or out. Super base. Incredible. UAV is like, what is it? It's like unmanned uh, aerial vehicles. So that's like literally like this is the the war crime factory house in action is so base i can't even i just i'm i'm so i'm i'm just feel really honored to like have had him on the show so so and albert are the factory uh they're the the people as well they've shut down um the same group palestine action have shut down their factories before because they they exist because they don't well, they well they're able to have these factories in these areas because people don't know what they do there. So as soon as people kind of like you know like shine a light on what they're doing there, then a lot of people from the local area go like, actually no, that that's horrific, you know. But um anyway, the next one is um the other friends comrades of the show, Good Law Project. Uh, so um they have been they've been working on um getting so it's like. Uh, they're calling healthcare justice for trans and um, non-binary people um, through the NHS. So NHS England has reportedly committed to offering greater protection to young trans people seeking life-saving gender-affirming healthcare after a legal challenge by the not-for-profit group, the Good Law Project. So, you know, obviously we've had them on here a couple of times before um, and we've done, we've done charity um, streams working with them in the past. And so the judge's ruling means that the NHS must consider the needs of those on the GIDS waiting list and will have to develop policies, policies which don't discriminate against them. This court case will be a vital moment in the fight for healthcare justice for trans and non-binary people. Joe Mullum, director of the Good Law Project, added, healthcare should be for everyone. So, um, yeah, cool. Um, they also announced uh, this week a win for Nina Cresswell, whose abuser tried to silence her in court. She successfully defended a LaBelle case brought against her in the high court by a man who sexually assaulted her. So Good Law Project were able to get in there and actually um, to help her out with that. So that's Good Law Project's thing, right? Using their um, legal knowledge and resources to, um, yeah, to help out people that otherwise wouldn't be able to you know wouldn't be able to tackle the you know like the kind of I guess the immense legal system uh whether it's uh, on an individual basis like um what they what happened with um this uh Nina Criswell or in a you know a more like uh I guess like a wider ranging thing like uh for the trans healthcare <clears throat> so yeah so awesome lots of base news from our comrades in the good law project and Palestine action this week Hey everybody, producer Conrad here. I just wanted to give you a heads up that we had a bit of a problem with our guest Shash's audio and we tried to clean it up and it's better, but there's still a fair bit of distortion in it. So sorry about that. Uh, it's a great conversation though, and I hope you enjoy it. Again, to the next section with our guests this week. So this week we have um, the Trans Safety Network and we're going to be talking about tracking the trans genocide. So, um, Mule, do you want to do you want to bring us into this one? 
Yeah, so unless you've been living under a rock recently, you'll know that trans people are constantly under attack in the media, by fascists, by most recently in legislation all over the US, and potentially it's looking like that could be possible in the UK too. Trans Safety Network are committed to the protection of trans rights, uh, sorry, protection of trans people all over the world, and they're here to talk to us this week. So, comrades, would you like to introduce yourselves? Uh... I guess I'll go first. Um, uh, I'm Shash. Uh, um, uh, I'm one of the directors of Trans Safety Network. Pronouns she, her. Um, hi, I'm I'm Jess. Pronouns um, they or she. Um, I am also a director of Trans Safety Network. Um, and I guess I focus on our legal and policy side of things. Um, that's where my expertise lies. Well, welcome in, folks. Yeah, it's good to have you. Um, so, yeah, I guess why don't we start off by just, you know, giving us a rundown of what it is you do at Trans Safety Network, what Trans Safety Network is all about. Okay, so um, Trans Safety Network is an organization dedicated to the monitoring of organized harm against trans people. So we're here to to watch the opposition, I guess. Um, is a lot of what we do. We're here to look at what strategies are being used against us as a trans community um, and the gender diverse community more broadly. Um, We're here to look at that, keep an eye on things and think about the ways um, that are best to counter it um, based on our expertise. We're entirely based on volunteers. but we have volunteers who have different areas of expertise. As I say, um, my expertise is primarily sort of legal policy legislation. Um, but um, th- that is very much not the case for for all of our volunteers. You know, we don't focus on one particular area. We have a diversity of, of expertise, and the idea is is that um, we can look at what's going on and look at the tactics that um, the gender critical movement is using. Um, and that the far right are using against trans people, we can and then use that to inform the trans community. And then that gives the the ability to people to organize themselves as well. I think that's the important thing is that we're um, providing information as intervention. We're equipping people with the knowledge that they need to know what's going on and build their own ways of fighting it. Excellent um and um i i I might this might be wrong this might you might be the wrong person but you've been doing a little bit of that today or if i that is me yeah (laughs) do you want to do you want to talk to us about that so i've had a busy weekend um so i don't live in london i live in nottingham uh robin hood woohoo um it's where i'm from originally and i have somehow ended up back here um, but I'm in Nottingham, I'm based in Nottingham, um, but I went down to London for the weekend this weekend, um, all weekend to do Trans Safety Network stuff. Um, so yesterday I was at the Trade Union Congress, um, representing Trans Safety Network, they're launching a Trade Unions for Trans Rights thing. Um, so I was there to um, get across the kind of work we're doing and and really emphasize and make sure people understood the extent to which um, 
we're facing an incredibly well-funded, well-resourced and well-connected movement and that, you know, the thing that the trade union movement and, and the left generally need to be doing in opposition to that is to organise <laughs> it in a way that, you know, that can joins the dots and connects things up and um, gets resources from the people who have them to people with who can do things with those resources. Um, so we were talking a lot about that yesterday at the Trade Union Congress. Um, and then today I followed up on that um, work by heading to the uh, Kelly J. Keene uh, rally um, in Hyde Park. Um, and I was able to um, spend, I spent a lot of time on both sides of the police cordon um, and was able to use my, um, you know, um, having done a lot of journalism, I was able to sort of navigate that as someone from the press would do. Um, and I was able to see what was going on. I was able to um, get some useful information out of police officers. Um, I was able to um, talk to, um, you know, the trans people who were on the ground and organising and um, relay information and across in, in ways that perhaps other people wouldn't be able to. So that was very good and enjoyable. Um, and it was good to see so many trans people there, especially given um, I know that the day before, you know, people had already been out this weekend <laughs> because because uh, yesterday um, everyone was already out to um, resist the far right at Honoric in London as well. So it's been a very, very busy weekend for um, for trans people Um on the left generally i'd say um and yeah the, that's the kind of work we do um i'll have an article out probably tomorrow um on the stuff i saw at the kelly j keen rally and getting that information out there and and that's kind of the point of what we do is um you know we go well I, I, either we go in person or we you know use um open source information and we try and um map things together and and make it presentable for people and I know some of my colleagues um do that for incredibly like um horrible <laughs> information we're talking about you know um full-fledged far-right organizing um so some of my colleagues are, 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 are experts in in keeping an eye on that kind of stuff and I guess one of the most useful things about us doing this information isn't necessarily just you know, that we have the expertise to be able to mentally join things up and make connections other people might not be able to. But it's also, um, I guess, the harm reduction of us doing it, following best practices when doing it, rather than every single trans person or trans, small local trans org trying to do all this work by themselves and ending up harming themselves in the process. Yeah, I was thinking about that when you were talking um, about like just the onslaughts, the immense onslaught of transphobic legislation and just transphobia, just in general, the the psychic harm of having to deal with all that. I mean, it's it's immense. Do you ever feel like I sorry, I don't mean to butt in right now, but do, do, is it ever hard to 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 either of you can answer? How how do you deal with the the psychic harm of that? Or do you just kind of, you know, just... You just I've spoken kind of, a lot, Shash, you should probably go. You try not to um, get desensitized to it, uh, mm. is the main thing, because sometimes you see a lot of 
a lot of horrible stuff and um and the 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 aim is to make sure you don't um don't overexpose yourself and it can especially i think like for a lot of us it, we try and have avenues where we engage with trans people or queer people in a more positive light especially so if, like for me it's my work with trans aid cymru uh for some of our other members it's like sport and things like that you know like and and I, it's because like otherwise you'll just see you're just seeing the worst of the worst of it and you're and it's like it's heart-wrenching it's heartbreaking especially when you know you, the constant barrage of news so like and like you know my, uh, my fiance will still you know tell me i don't do enough of self-care but like uh, when it comes to especially when uh, engaging with tsn work um it's it's trying to realize that like there's topics some of our members have li- complete hard limits on for example that we won't research at all or engage with so we try and rotate if we can uh, between members just to prevent that kind of burnout too and the most important thing is, is just like trying to c- keep communicating about this so like um if we are researching something it's to make sure that like is this useful first off are you just exposing yourself to something that maybe is just worth a block and a move on especially if, if you're quite online especially on like twitter or things like that uh twitter reddit whatever it may be a lot of these like faceless anonymous accounts with you know a mar- like a tiny platform they don't they aren't worth your time they aren't worth uh space in your brain really like that you can be doing better things and engaging more positively with marginalized groups or and trans people specifically like you know you, you could be taking part in mutual aid or something or uh you know donating or contributing doing something else that's engaging other than you because like the things that we want to hear about especially is like is that you know people in positions of power for example or link sometimes linking faceless accounts to faces that are supposedly notable for example and things like that um you know and and that's that's the main thing so a lot of the time like every now and then we'll get like a a, a strange dm from like oh from like this little small internet fight or something and we just kind of have to ignore it because like there's not there's nothing we can do realistically to solve this situation we're not we're not that kind of mediating presence uh and i think that's kind of a misconception in like when it comes to hate research it's also like it's not to it's not for us to like oh yeah we're going to stop these people being bigots in some way or medi- ameliorate the situation we can only report on it and shine light on it at the end of the day yeah i think that's like <clears throat> a massive thing to remember as well like because uh, in terms of like like when you say like there's all these faceless accounts and you know they're completely unaccountable like e- you know even the people who are in power like they don't consent to being held accountable in any way regardless so it's like you know where do you, where do you spend your energy and i think a lot of the like uh, uh like you say you gotta f- you gotta really focus on like you know what's the roots of this like where is it coming from and you know uh, this is something that 
I'm not sure. I'm fairly certain this is something that Red Planet might have touched on in the past, but like we know that like the majority of anti-trans um, and more broadly anti-LGBTQIA plus uh, hate comes is funded from evangelical conservative think tanks billionaires uh you know based in the us um sometimes based in the uk and you know it's it's about like i guess i guess a lot of your work is focused on like how do we stop that like how how do we how do we counter that like because that's where it's all coming from right like the majority of people 90 percent of people in, in 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 society will have never even known that they've been around a trans person before they won't even have noticed that a trans person has been in their life or whatever um so like what is you know in terms of um knowing where this hate comes from knowing where it is um you know wh- i guess like where does your research go around around that kind of stuff i i guess that's kind of the point of um when we describe what we do is we we talk about organized anti-trans harm, right? So there are lots of people um, who are transphobic or who will harm trans people. There are countless like little incidents that can happen. I mean, even to us interpersonally, um, you know, I might get sent the occasional picture of rope um, just to let me know that there are still people out there who really hate me um and you know that's um that's not trans safety network's job to look at it's 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 fine for me in terms of like me personally to go oh well that's unpleasant um but i guess what trans safety network want to look at is is what's driving that what are the who are the forces that are organizing this right what are the um what are the big structures that are moving that have increased um, the anti-trans backlash, you know, particularly in the UK, um, to the point that it's currently at. Um, and, you know, we can make links between different people. We can we can map and see that um, NHS, um, like, training for trainee psychiatrists is, is pointing to um, organisations which um, involve people who have openly supported conversion therapy, which points to people who have like direct demonstrable relationships with evangelical Christian organizations in the US. Um, you know, it's it's about, you know, rather than um, looking at ind- individual incidents of transphobia or, you know, um, someone's been in the newspaper this week saying this transphobic thing, it, it's, it's about dedicating our efforts towards, okay, well, why? Why is this happening? We need to look at what what these what the the structures of power are that are that are mm. that are making these things happen. I think you know, I'd say we probably take quite some materialist analysis as an organisation, right? You know, um, yeah, 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 absolutely. We're, I we're think, all very yeah. committed to, to to viewing this as as a structural problem. You know, mm. I, I'm not necessarily interested in whether you know. Kelly J. Keene, Posey Parker, whatever, actually believes the stuff she says. I'm interested in whether she is part of a sphere of influence that is creating a situation that is harming trans people. Like, I don't care about intention. I don't care about, um, you know, personal beliefs or how this happened. I care about looking, okay, here's the harm. Here's Mm. what's causing it. 
what do we do about it? And I think, you know, fundamentally, that's what Trans Safety Network exists to do is to make those connections. Yeah, I um I really like what you're saying about taking a materialist view of it because um I I I know a bunch of people that kind of engage in similar work down here where um there's like there's various groups and everyone's doing great stuff and I like you know obviously they're all appreciated in that space but then there's like you know there's like the groups that take the more materialist view looking at the bigger picture and then there's like I find that a lot of the time the people that aren't looking at it in that way will focus on the individual instances a little bit more and and it's kind of like like we've talked about it before on the stream like um you know it's like a -a whack-a-mole machine where it's like you just pop in these little things as they come up instead of actually you know like looking at the you know it's like well you've got this this greater mechanism at, at work or whatever like that and you're just focusing on these like little things here and there and trying to um you know and you can look at like what is upstream of these instances you know like what is um what's what's causing the little moles to whack up or to pop up or whatever and um yeah 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 and it's um it's really interesting to hear it put in that way because yeah I didn't necessarily have thought of it so much as like a materialist angle but that it you know absolutely makes sense and is like I guess like in line with a broader leftist project right um yeah 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 no that's um that's yeah it's really good I, I, um, I think Posey Parker's like a really good example Kelly J Keen whatever yeah. right is that you know like individually as a woman she's certainly done a lot of harm um yeah. but I'm more interested and I think Trans Safety Network are more interested in the fact that she's funded by CPAC right mm, like that's absolutely. the more yeah, interesting yeah. thing to us um because it, okay imagine you know we were to make um Posey Parker instantly not transphobic right we were to convince her we were to win her over um it would do absolutely nothing for trans people and I think people don't quite understand that there would just be a new Posey Parker she would just be replaced someone would step in to fill that void um so it is it is about taking that deeper analysis I love this approach I love it it's so nice to hear somebody like say so explicitly so thank you so much for this like just explaining that so well um, this is something I try to get across to people, but I don't think I'm nearly as eloquent as you are. And I, I'm just going to, you know, absorb all that and maybe store somewhere, maybe try to regurgitate it another day, because I just love the way you put all of that. That was beautiful. <laughs> I think like, I, yeah, like I, I was just saying, it's like really important to engage this idea that, that like, there is, there's no point in caging these bigots, no matter how big and powerful they are, and converting them to the leftist side, because at the end of the day, it's not actually helping marginalized communities who are suffering under the capitalist system, essentially. And like, so like, while, while, like, while obviously Trans Safety Network is very specifically working on the axis of oppression on trans people, I think it is very much applicable across the spectrum in how we engage with um the opposition in some way whether that be like especially with like uh, I, I particularly uh debates in my, in my uh, personal passion of like when you know the, the, we get a lot of requests to like debate or debunk things sometimes off like trans safety network and like there's some things we do obviously when it's a bit more like nebulous to understand for the greater public but like a lot of the time like it's not worth the time and effort. Oh, yeah. 
absolutely that's been our thing here like since we started when we first got together with Root planet we were like we are not like we're not a debate stream like there's nothing to debate you know like like we know what we're about and um you know and we've constantly been hounded by people asking us to debate them and all this kind of stuff and it's just kind of like like this is wasted time and energy like 99% of the time I think it's just like you're just you know it's like it's it's like blood sports for you know people on the right and it's usually like it doesn't even matter who comes out on top or whatever like that it just like further entrenches reactionaries and it's just you know it's um yeah I think it's like it is really important to kind of pick very like to be very like discriminating when you are like choosing who you're going to engage with and that kind of that kind of sphere yeah because when when you when you because that's that's the whole thing like like one of the biggest things that you hear um from I guess like you know trans rights activists and and any kind of person who supports trans people is that like there is no debate right and the and the problem with as soon as as soon as you like as soon as you like say to a anti-trans bigot okay let's debate you're validating their you know anti-trans rhetoric you're, you're basically saying like okay yeah it's worth actually engaging with you on this therefore you are actually lending some kind of um uh you know relevancy to it whatever you want to call it you're lending legitimacy to, to this argument that like maybe trans people shouldn't exist and it's like no that <laughs> that's just not on um and and again like you know the more and more that the debate exists the more and more people will see it and just be like, well, you know, the media I've consumed up until this point in my life has told me that trans people just, you know, aren't right or whatever. And like, you know, fine, actually, like I'll, I'll continue listening to this argument and it's just strengthening my, you know, transphobic beliefs. Obviously they're not actually saying that that's what's going on in their head. So yeah, I think um, it's, yeah, it's really important to, yeah, push back on any kind of idea that there's any benefit to debating people there's any benefit to having like conversations with fascists or anything like that so what is then the um is there a strategy that trans safety network has in terms of like tackling the power structure because it's like that's what we really have to think about we had a great conversation with katie montgomery a couple of weeks back where she was talking about um how we can like maybe get people aware of you know advertising i guess like trying to remove some advertising um uh, from from certain publications like you know the daily the daily mail runs like a, a transphobic article and we say okay uh sainsbury's uh ladbrokes whoever you know all these different companies that are like you know advertising in the daily mail uh you got to boycott them you got to boycott them you got to send in some like you know phones and sh- you got to phone them up and say like you know um, I'm not going to shop here anymore. I'm not going to do this with you anymore. Why are you advertising in this hateful uh, 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 publication? Is there been any kind of like discussion on like, you know, what is the, what's the strategy like? Yeah, I, I think we're kind of agreed on this, which is that Trans Safety Network doesn't want to be the person giving the answers to that, like the organization giving the answers to that question. Right, yeah. Um, what we want to do is we want to identify the problems um, and give people the information to solve it themselves in their communities. And we can be very, um, I think we can be very confident often on what the answers aren't, right? We can, we can be, 
you know, using our expertise and our experience of, of, of what we've seen in the past, we can, you know, very confidently um, tell people that no, debating the fascist isn't going to work or no, um, you can't necessarily calmly convince um, individual gender critical feminists that you're a real person and that you deserve rights or whatever. And, or even if you manage to, that's not actually going to change anything. Um, so I think we can be we can be quite open about what doesn't work. Um, but I think, you know, we we don't want to become, um, you know, we don't want to be in charge of all the trans people and be like, hey, everybody, this is what we need to do. Um, because, you know, we're just um, community organizers with specific expertise like everybody else. Um, and, you know, um, I think all of us believe that, you know, communities do have the the power and the expertise to solve these problems themselves. We just want to help those communities do that by um, saving them the job of figuring out what all the problems are in the first place and um, where all the connections are and, and, and what, you know, what kind of things they need to be looking at, but what steps that they, you know, decide to take um, on the basis of those is, is very much up to them. I'd say um one thing that we have, you know, it, it encouraged people to do is is um particularly we did this around the EHRC letter, uh, which was the um for those people who don't know, was a letter um written by um the Equalities and Human Rights Commission in, in the in the UK. Um an organization which has literally been and this is like the government admits that they have done this they have stacked it with people who support their agenda um and it is now an actively um institutionally captured and transphobic organization um and what they did is they published a letter um in response to our uh, minister for women and women equalities Kemi Badenoch um suggesting that the equality act um be updated um to exclude trans women from the sex category of women for the purpose of the equality act by updating it to biological sex whatever that means um they don't know what it means and they've been quite open about that but they wrote the letter anyway um so in response to that letter um there was um there was a petition going round um to um get a debate in the House of Commons um, on whether this, this should happen. And the idea was that, you know, if enough trans people signed it, then, then the, the government would have to, you know, debate it and explain why they were being so transphobic. Um, and we, we didn't share that petition because we, we didn't think that um, it was particularly helpful in the current political context because, um, you know, I think, I think all of us agree that... Um, there's no particular political motivation for the current government to listen to trans people or or to any petition. Um, they they have quite a fixed agenda, and I, I think uh, are planning on doing it. Um, one thing that we did suggest as an alternative um, is for people to speak to their MPs, um, and effectively to become a problem for their MPs. I think we were quite open that um, we're not trying to get people to convince their MPs that transphobia is bad so much as make it not in their interests to be transphobic because of how many problems it would cause them in terms of phone calls to their surgeries, letters, you know, protests outside. Um, and another thing we did is I think 
I think we emphasized the importance of being prepared for if that didn't work. Um, so, you know, talking to trans people about preparing for, you know, like a state that is actively hostile towards you, you know, um, and the fact that the answer does not necessarily lie in passing new pieces of legislation or convincing MPs or this law or all that. And, you know, I say this as a legal researcher. Um, I think we were encouraging people to start building community alternatives to the things that they would expect to see from the state, you know, to um, not to reinvent the wheel, but to look to the current mutual aid organizations which exist within their communities. You know, if there isn't one, talk to some activists and, and get one going. But if there is one, talk to those mutual aid organizers and, and ask, do they know about this? And if they do, what are they doing specifically to ensure that you know, if this passes and um, trans people start getting arrested for using the wrong toilets, you know, are there going to be people to pick them up from the station? Is there going to be, you know, if healthcare becomes um, effectively illegal to access in this country, is there going to be um, DIY networks that exist in communities to allow trans people to take control over themselves and their own bodies? So we can make suggestions um, about the kind of, I guess, spheres that people should be thinking to organise in. But I don't think we want to lead people by the hand. I think we know that communities are best place to know what their own needs are and to, to look after themselves. Definitely. I really appreciate the... Um um the 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 comment on petitions because i don't think i've ever been as offended on behalf of the trans community as i as i was when i saw that people were saying please sign this petition because you know like i've been saying this for years about the 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 petition portal that the tories created by the way this is something that you have to be well aware of um, there were loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of uh, change.org petitions that were coming into the government and MPs were bringing them up and talking about them and the Tories don't want any of that. They don't want any of that. They can't be bothered with it. So they created an official petition, you know, portal that, you know, if, oh, British people, if you want, if you definitely live in Britain and you definitely want us to talk about this, you have to sign up, confirm your email, all this stuff, and we'll definitely talk about it. But as you say, Jess, quite rightly, like, Oh my God, they, they've even said, actually, they've even said they've responded to this latest one because a hundred thousand people have signed it and they said, yes, we will debate this in parliament, but how is the debate going to go? We all know what's going to happen. They're going to start talking about it in these horrible terms that have been, that have been, you know, solidified by these gender critical activists. And it's just going to be a shit show. Nothing good is going to come of it. And I think you're absolutely right. I think like, um, you know, um, like you say, you know, DIY, DIY HRT, which is something we've spoken about, uh, you know, a few times on Red Planet, um, mutual aid, um, you know, law, potential like legal aid for trans people. <clears throat> and also, you know, the 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 support that's just going to have to be present in general for, for like a hostile state. And this is something that we're like seeing in the US already, right? Um, where like in certain states, just because of the very nature of these things being like discussed and also being brought at, at state legislation level, um, we're actually seeing trans people like really bear the brunt of, um, you know, stochastic, uh, transphobic hate and stuff like that. It, it, are there things that you're learning from the States? Yeah. 
I think, I think, um, I think like, yeah, as TSN, we identify issues, I guess, within the state systems and try and show people. And what we obviously is like trying to get, get people to engage outside the system because the, the system is failing is basically what we're trying to highlight essentially. It's just saying like, there is no, there is, there is no like, we can try, we can, we can help people engage with the system in the safest way possible as a community. Um, but it's always, you have to treat the state, state as an enemy, essentially, as if you're a marginalized person, because they are, they, they don't care about you as long as you're able to pay uh, tax work uh, and put up with bigotry and or conform in some formal way you know like we have to be like and it's 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 especially concerning because like there's a lot of i feel wasted time and energy in 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 like uh and then it's like emotional energy as well like you know people are burning themselves out either by engaging on twitter or petitions or writing to their MP or stuff things like that when when they get and they get these demoralizing responses or uh, and like engaging within the systems that the state have provided and expecting a better response and it's like and it's because trans people really want to have faith in this system because they, they want to believe that the state won't let them go and the reality is you've got to accept that the state does not care about you the state does not see you as valuable um you know uh something that can make them profit it doesn't it's not worth it so like having to really having to reorientate your thinking into like how can i help my fellow trans person or my fellow marginalized person with the resources i have with the skills i have and it's like that's where you go, and it's not—it's not asking people to learn like new things or something like that. Sometimes, like the skills you already have, can be extremely useful. Um, like, uh, if you're in the, the legal background, uh, trans people need legal help all the time. <laughs> like, um, like there's a lot of things that cis people, especially, can do in order to help. Uh, marginalized communities that isn't wasting reason, uh, wasting time on social media arguing with your relatives, you know, or something like that. Like that, that is not a that is not a good worth of your time. And and for the last time, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear about how you had a transphobic conversation with your relative because that doesn't improve my situation. That just makes you sad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, totally. I I think um you know there's something uh just that you mentioned before about institutional capture as well, which I think is like a really important thing to talk about because it's like you know like especially when we're talking about these debates playing out in public spaces or even like you know like the the debate stories that get framed in the newspaper and stuff like that they'll like frame a story around there's like a debate or whatever when it's like you know we're talking about like media organizations that have been you know captured by you know like that's turf territory right you know it's like they're not like if they were if we were to concede that a debate would were to be 
you know, to happen, um, the, it wouldn't be appropriate for them to have the debate because they're already, you know, like, so I guess they got all the brain worms. But um, yeah, you know, like, um, is there, like, is there some, like, is there a, is there a path that you can see that would be like, um, you know, like, what do you, I mean, this is probably outside of the bounds of what you're talking about, but like, how do you, how do you, like, what do you think is a way to challenge, um, yeah, I guess institutions like that, that are, um, you know, like that have, they're just like totally just infested with all the worst brainworms. Is that something that you think is worth doing? Like even to like, um, to consider like that kind of thing, or is it just, you know, like just mutual aid networks and we just kind of do the best regardless of you know just push past like the media kind of shit and the I guess like the Tory bullshit or whatever like that is it um yeah I mean like is there is there an ideal kind of like I don't know like yeah I'm, I'm, I'm not sure is that something that you even think is possible to kind of like take on those institutions as I mean from like I don't think there's a specific TSN standpoint but like I, from a personal on the team essentially like I'm an anarchist, you know, like, I don't, I don't believe there is saving these institutions and uh, stuff like that. So, like, when I see, unfortunately, like, uh, the easy uh, EHRC or whatever, you know, like, um, uh, being institutionally captured, I, I, I always thought that, you know, from its inception, uh, that, it's it's designed it's, it was designed as a vehicle for the government to shift blame you know like or uh to, to like or and like it was meant to be like this supposed organization which could hold the government accountable when it's in fact it's the exact opposite at this point you know like uh and i think i think it's it's it, it kind of reminds me how you know we have investigations into the police force kind of thing you know like having cops investigate their own is not going to solve an issue <laughs> you know like, yeah 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 like an internal investigation held by people that are invested in maintaining the um maintaining the organization that they are investigating yeah yeah and i i think from that sort of it's like you're very much these these organizations that we are constantly in conflict with whether it be in education, employment, state, wherever it may be, like, uh, are designed in the sense to filter out marginalized people like us, you know, like we can fight for our little space and a little scrap, you know, but every, at the end of the day, someone is going to get left out. Like, you know, like, yes, as you know, someone who identifies as a woman and it can like pass as a woman or and use women's toilets like that yeah i have my own women's toilets or whatever but like at the end of the day like in my workplace or whatnot but like there's no gender neutral toilet i'm not fighting for my fellow fellow mbs am i like and and i think i think that's one of the things i feel especially when trying to engage with state institutions you can fight for these little scraps uh, and like feel you know, you've done claimed some victory, and I feel like a lot of liberals do this. You know, they they, they feel like you know, especially w whether it's like they get this crumb of like, oh yeah, look, your politician said trans rights or human rights at the Pride. You know, um, uh, you know, like like I believe I, I can't remember. I was seeing on Twitter about some Labour trans person saying this, and I I, I was just like, 
I don't care about platitudes, and no trans person is going to be saved by platitudes. And, uh, like, it's, it's frustrating to, like, think about um, seeing, seeing that. You know, I think the question you have to ask yourself is um, whether you think the institution is worth saving, and I mean that in the sense of, you know, if you think about it in its, you know, ideal form, you know, the way it's meant to operate on paper, if 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 it wasn't captured in whatever way. And if you look at that and you go, well, actually, the way this is, is structured is kind of like, you know, um, not great. You know, it's it's going to lead to problems, you know, like the HRC, you know, the whole uh, the the reason why we've ended up with the HLC as it is is because the the whole system of political appointments is is entirely vulnerable to this um this kind of problem and and it remains you know um a fundamentally liberal um arm arm of the state that is meant to hold um the government accountable but only accountable in so far as um you know, liberal human rights norms would would ask it to, and and it may be so that you know, um, it's failing even to do that now, right? Which is you know, uh, an interesting point, and we can we can ask to to what extent um, that even really matters or is worth fighting for, um, and you know, some people would say that it is, you know, that like fundamentally, you know. Uh, I, I, I would rather live in a in a liberal society than a fascist one. Um, but I don't think, um, you know, it's 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 holds the answers for our liberation, um, you know. And so what I, I would ask people to do, and I think this applies um, across all like leftist organizing, not not just, you know, to do with trans rights is 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 look at, you know, in your like theoretical like, ideal of it, the thing that you think's good about it, or well, what is it meant to be doing? You know, you can do this with the police as well, right? So if you um, if you if you look at an institution and you think, okay, what's the police? You know, in this theoretical sense of you know the the fantasy land of what is the police meant to do? It's meant to keep people safe, right? You know, that's that's the okay, and then you take that core sort of purpose. You know, even though we know that isn't the actual purpose of the police, but in in most people's most people's minds, we know <laughs> the police exist to keep us safe. You take that and you go, okay, well, what do we actually need to do to keep us safe? Right? What what things would we have in a society if we could build it that that would make us safe? Um, and you know, um, I I'm a leftist who um does a lot of human rights work and and law and stuff and um fundamentally i'm i'm one of um the leftists who believes there is some use maybe to human rights not as conceived in a liberal framework but maybe there is something there um and and so you know if we look at the ehrc and we go oh well it's it's designed to basically protect human rights against you know like a, a majoritarian you know the problems of majoritarianism right the idea is that there are certain basic principles that we all agree to protect even if everyone disagrees right you know if, even if 99% of people wanted to oppress an, a minority group in a certain way we, 
you know the 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 principle of of human rights and of minoritarian protection is that, that there's still a limit somewhere um and you know if if you think that's a good thing and i do um then you look at that as a goal and you go okay well um what do we do to build that or what do we do to build that within in in our, our current world um and you know i think to some extent that that is what um trans safety network was made for is that you know we looked at um what current like trans rights um organizations and activism and everything was doing um and you know um i think you know you look at you look at organizations like stonewall and gendered intelligence and mermaids and all these people that you know um exist to protect trans rights and they do good things um good work is done even like the good law project as you as you were talking about earlier you know um these are all institutions which can do good stuff um and you know i think the ehrc in the past has done good stuff and is capable of you know when it's not actually captured by fascists of doing some good stuff um but we could do better um you know, if we built things from scratch, we could we could do better. And I think Trans Safety Network is trying to do some of what um, other organisations have done in a different way, you know. Um, and there's a lot to be said for a plurality of approaches. You know, there are the liberals who are going to go and do liberalism and that's fine and good and they can achieve some good by doing that. But I think as leftists, we can be critical and say, you know, um, that's not enough. You know, we need to start building now. We need to be building the things that are actually going to liberate us, that are going to achieve the things we want them to achieve. Um, you know, and I think Trans Safety Network is fundamentally built on the ethos that um, we don't want to be another liberal NGO, you know, posting stuff during Pride about, you know, our new whatever campaign. We want to be doing the work that we think needs doing to build a better future for everyone and for all of us. Um, and we don't want to leave anyone behind. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when you were talking earlier about um, the stuff, the, the work that Trans Safety Network does in observing uh, hate speech and stuff like that that's that's going on, um at the moment um it would be i think worth our while to sort of like just sort of give everyone a, a, a bit of an insight into like you know what are the what are the main things that are going on in terms of like the far right's um propaganda machine at the moment i was talking about this with my partner earlier in that like what it seems at the moment and it seems that there has been this like building um narrative since covid which is which was solidified before covid um came around but like since since lockdowns um and vaccines there seems to be this like um they they've they've converted covid to the woke mind virus right and so there is this like overarching sentiment and i think this is like insidious and pervasive in, in every um fascist sphere especially gender criticals in that like if you've had the vaccine you're a leftist you're a liberal your mind is getting controlled. That's making everyone trans now, right? And that's why it's wrong and bad and stuff like that. 
Um, that's been my observation, but like what sort of observation of trans safety network made in the, um, I guess the propagandization of, uh, you know, their rhetoric in, in terms of like, you know, anti-trans stuff. I, I think, I think it's very much like, as your friend, very conspiratorial, you know, like, like, um, the, the, there's, I think like, <laughs> I think transphobes in general are very resistant, like especially hardline transphobes, are very resistant to the idea of changing their opinions, especially when evidence is presented to them. And considering like most of, you know, categorically empirical evidence shows that trans people are completely like average and normal, if, if you want to say, you know, like completely just regular. <laughs> uh, and um, so once you've already like, like um engaged with that as a concept it's very easy to fall down that rabbit hole of thinking and uh what we're seeing especially now is that they are all these people who you know would would have considered them maybe self liberal maybe a few years ago or whatever or sliding straight into fascism you know like very much um like agreeing to effectively section 28 laws and uh practices and um they're okay with it. Like, uh, like I think, I think uh, very telling recently is that uh, Ron DeSantis met with Kemi Badenoch, uh, I believe, uh, and uh, you know, like that. That should be like it was at least in the media. At least it's still treated as a bit of a red flag, <laughs> for, as far as for now. Uh, you, but like the, the reality is, is like I could I just i imagine a month later or something that could just be a footnote you know or something like that and it's very much it's very quickly getting to the point where people aren't willing to highlight the fact that these people are intent on removing rights and protections not just for trans people but for cis people other marginalized groups like abortion um uh, things like her Things like workplace practices, like uh, equality practices and stuff like that. Uh, lots of union busting and stuff is kind of uh, uh, disguised with this uh, bigotry kind of thing as well. Um, because like, you know, unions are, they've been uh, TRA pilled or whatever. I don't know. I have no idea what language people use anymore. Like it changes every day. Trying to keep up with like right-wing terms for like because you mentioned woke mind virus today and i was like is that genuine I, it took me a second to like people be genuinely using that is, is that just not a meme at this point and i was just like <laughs> god like, this is what i mean like it's impossible to like keep up with the ever-changing lingo of conspiratorial thinking and it's not worth engaging on that front because it's like trying to engage admits that you accept their framing you know like 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 you when they call us groomers or something like that and um it's it's what we're seeing is like obviously there's a lot more alignment with nazis especially with kgk and stuff um you know like there's a especially in america there's a lot more armed presence which is kind of you know very terrifying uh and I think what's uh, extremely telling is like 
there have been polls and things done for like Republican voters and stuff like that, and the polls show that this isn't working for them. Like this bigotry angle isn't working with most voters. But what we're seeing is that there's the very far right contingent are getting much louder, are much more aggressive, and much more open with their kind of bigotry, and not just in like social media and their like private cesspools. But like in the workplace and um, doctors' place, like anywhere where they can make a public fuss, they are able to get away with it because there's this airy idea that this trans people should be a topic that's debated, and uh, and because of that kind of overall framing, it's enabled these fascists to be more open about being fascist. I, I think. Um... I think, yeah, I think Shash is right, is that it's it's basically impossible to disentangle from the rise of global fascism more generally. And, you know, I, I think most people watching this stream who, are, who have watched Red Planet before will, will know um, that that is very much linked to, you know, the, the failure of global capitalism and the idea that, um, you know, that has been seized advantage of by you know um those in power who are unable to give explanations as to why people can't afford to heat their homes or pay rent or eat and um it's a very easy thing to talk about and those other things you know when you're a global capitalist are less easy to talk about um because fundamentally, you know, um, the right of people to to eat and have housing um, is kind of incompatible with if, with what your goals are. Um, so it is a lot easier to talk about whatever the the current thing is. And you know, in the UK, that's not just trans people. Um, it's uh, the boats is also the current thing. You know, these these scary boats are coming over. So many boats. In, in dinghies are going to come and they're going to whatever um they're not really british if they come and it's all this nonsense you know it's racist rhetoric um and you'll very often find that the same people spouting the first view are the people also spouting anti-trans things um you know because it is a convenient thing to talk about but i think you also have to talk about um the fact that this was deliberate and planned it's um we're seeing, you know, the takeoff of a strategy that has been um, had the groundwork being laid for it for for a good amount of time now. You know, um, we look at the evangelical Christian right in America and um, following the legalization of same sex marriage over there, they, they made it a very, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know why this is like, you know, like a oh really like a conspiracy thing. They were quite open and explicit that this is what they were doing. There there are documents that I can point to you where they write this, you know, they, they declare this themselves. Um the idea was to separate the T from the LGB and use the T as a wedge issue to try and, you know, undermine queer rights as a whole, but also to undermine women's rights and bodily autonomy. And that's why we see um, you know, in the UK we've got Miriam Cates MP has turned has teamed up with with Rosie Duffield, who is, you know, like the Labour gender critical person, um, the Labour Party gender critical sort of figure. Um, they've teamed up, even though Miriam Cates has um 
openly opposed abortion and the right for um you know women to be uh, intimidated and harassed whilst they access reproductive health care um and she founded a think tank which is explicitly opposed to um the right to same-sex marriage and also to like no-fault divorce and you know all those kind of things um so you know it's it's quite a clear um yeah clear clear and consistent narrative um it's just so happened that um you know in in the last few years we've seen such a significant failure um of of global economies in the in the global north you know that 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 it has become an ever more popular thing for even the most mainstream politicians to stop indicating towards rather than having to provide explanations as to what is really going on. Yeah. I want to, I want to comment on like a, a, a couple of things uh, based on what Shash said. Um, Sophie did actually want us to mention this week that unite the union um, came out in support of, of trans people recently, um, which is really interesting um because i've been on um marches and rallies um with other unions various other unions and um when that's been the case we've had certain unions talk about trans rights and how that's really important to show solidarity with trans people not just trans people but migrants uh, marginalized people uh, of all of all kinds and i think also um what was really interesting is is that that day um there was like a, a collision of literally what shash has just said where we were marching um through town it was a support the strikes rally and uh, there was a guy who just was like your average 40 year old middle-aged bloke whatever started calling us all pedos right and there was nothing like really, you know, queer, like explicitly, openly queer about the the rally. It was just very like union stuff. So you know, they're kind of using this 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 you know catch all groomers you know kind of narrative for like anyone on the left, anyone remotely on the left kind of thing. And that's what you have to remember in terms of like, um, and this this is the the, the third thing that I wanted to mention based on that is that in Manchester recently, a queer sex shop clone zone, uh, which is actually my sex shop that I go to for my stuff, for my sex stuff, um, has been, it's had its, its, its windows smashed in three times in a row, basically over the, like the last few weeks, um, over the last month. And that is literally because, and I say this like, you know, um, uh, quite generally, but like, you know, um, people who are wanting to do stochastic terrorism on behalf of the state based on the propaganda they've been given will go for anything that they think is the bad thing, right? And so what's happened is because, you know, um, trans people aren't always like visible, like this is the thing, like you're going to find it hard to just like pick out a trans person randomly do you know what i mean it's it's not something you can just like you know go out on a day and, and do right but the queer community like the village the gay village in manchester where there's like a shop that has like you know queer guys in bdsm outfits out advertised on the front and stuff like that uh that's very visible to fascists who want to do stuff and guess what these fascists who want to do stuff they aren't just like you know 
they're not just like anti-trans it's exactly like shash said they're they're anti-queer they're anti-woman they're anti you know anyone who is racialized like you know this this is all part of the same stuff and i think it's really important that like you know we drive home uh how important that is like benjamin dixon recently who is like um he's a black uh, uh podcast kind of guy like sort of you know not, not necessarily like left left but i think liberal left in in the us um he recently said like listen it makes far more sense for us to ally with the people that they're attacking um than the people who have like historically oppressed us and that's just how i think most people should be looking at this like uh you know one of the most annoying things that i've seen as like a cis queer who has been very very aware of the anti-trans uh rhetoric all over the place for, for for years now um is is how many cis queers are just kind of going like oh my god i can't believe this has happened this has come out of nowhere like come on wake up like what do you think this has come out no it hasn't like you think that the people who are being super transphobic you know don't hate us too like come on like this is this is happening now we have to like get get fucking organized like come on um so yeah it's 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 echoed in things that are just like happening everywhere and and, it, and it's obvious uh to anyone who's done like an ounce of observation of this kind of like fascist activity and that's kind of why i was asking that question about you know like uh, uh what kind of like uh you know i guess developments are we are we seeing in the in the the fascist narrative but it, there's not a lot right because it's the same as it as it's always been it's just slightly different and i think the worst thing is is you know um a lot of liberal people especially liberal queers you know just don't want to they don't want to acknowledge it they don't want to know acknowledge that it exists because it's like i i to a certain degree, I understand, right? Because the fight for queer rights has been very, very long for, and, and it's it's been hard and it's been a rough road. Um, but guess what? It, it's not stopped. Do you know what I mean? It's not like we could say at like a certain point over the last 30 years, queer rights were like established and won, you know? Like we have to remember that like, just because people were kind of fine with us being in TV shows a little bit, doesn't mean that the fight is over um you know we have to keep up the pressure on on absolutely everyone around us to 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 support us and you know accept that we're here essentially um so i wonder then like uh with that in mind in terms of like uh trans safety network um you know wanting to like grow and spread the word and stuff like that how is trans safety network um organized like is is there a committee can people join is there like uh you know what's what what's going on what's the what's like the bare bones of it i'm glad you asked me <laughs> because um today just before this stream in fact um trans safety network announced our relaunch of our organization and our expansion um so some of us have been very busy behind the scenes um writing our constitution um, writing our um, a big statement of what our values and our commitments are as an organization, you know, um, including like commitment to, you know, um, supporting the decriminalization of sex work and listening to sex workers and stuff, which, um, you know, that there have been, you know, problems with, you know, other organizations doing work for, for trans people on the left. For example, there was a conflict not very long ago with the Good Law Project, um, because they were um, working with um, and potentially providing resources to 
um, you know, a, a swerve campaign. And, you know, um, given the Good Law Project, you know, is, is you know, have very much been um, the place where resources have gone um, to, to, for the, for the legal, um, you know, fight for trans rights. And I would still encourage people to support the specific cases of, of, of the, the trans people, um, at least personally, I would, it's not a TSN endorsement, but I would personally encourage people to, you know, still support those crowdfunders because those cases were brought long before that this became a problem. And, you know, we shouldn't just hang people out to dry, you know, it's, it's about, um, it's about, um, thinking about uh leading our ourselves as a community trans people i think so um you know glp doesn't have to be committed to to protecting sex workers in the same way trans safety network do because um you know their community isn't made up of such a large number of sex workers as trans people um have as a community and i think fundamentally we're committed to um the idea that none of us are free until we're all free um and so you know um we're a volunteer organization but and we we would you know be happy to take on anyone no matter what their views are but we put this statement out of values and commitments with the idea that the expectation is is that if you're working with trans safety network these are values you agree to you know in your work with us and and in your public you know um public life to to uphold and not to undermine um, and, you know, we're so as part of our relaunch, um, we, we've adopted those. That's now, you know, like part of our formal legal um, constitution. So we will we are and formally are committed to upholding those values. Um, we've launched um, a, 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 like a, an expression of interest form for people who want to become volunteers at Trans Safety Network. We have had so much interest um prior to this this relaunch um that it's going to take us a while honestly to onboard people um but you know get your name down on on the waiting list effectively um but you know we're because of the work we do because of the highly sensitive work we do and um the very sensitive very important information that gets given to us confidentially um you know it's it's absolutely vital that um we ensure that you know all of our volunteers are are you know committed to upholding you know the, the the high standards we maintain and and to those values and commitments um you know we're the really really exciting thing um about our constitution is that basically to the extent that it is legally possible for us to do so existing within you know um company law which you know i've had a fun time learning all about um the extent that we can, um, we're committed to remaining a non-hierarchical organisation. Um, and, you know, and that's fundamental to what our values are and our commitments are. And so, um, yeah, we're, 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 we're recruiting. Um, give it a share, sign up. Um, we're going to be launching some new projects soon, um, some new, um, like, big things that, that we want to announce. Um, but most of all, you know, we just we re really um, we 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 want to um, we we what we've done is we have moved everything around so that the organisation can become more scalable, because in its current iteration, um, it was effectively built, and I think this is very useful in people who have been involved in you know 
organizing more generally know that it, if, if an organization's at a certain size, you can have it based basically on implicit trust, right? Is that you can have absolute trust and solidarity between each other and not even have to like have half of the discussions you might otherwise have to have because you already know what everyone's answer to the question is going to be. Um, but what we what we really work to do is to get those values down on paper to to build internal systems um so that trans safety network can can do more of the work um that is currently done by what is in reality um a small group of very burnt out trans people you know we we uh, we we're basically committed um to to taking on trans and gender diverse volunteers who want to come who have ideas who have skills and like skills are so wild and varied. We, you know, we need, as, as I was saying, because we don't focus on like one specific um, like area, but rather on a sort of broad concept of, of, of a, a sort of broader process to how we address problems, then, you know, um, we are excited to take on anyone who has something to, that they think can be useful um, in monitoring the opposition or, you know, helping us um, run internally as an organization. Um, so yeah, that's really exciting. We've got a whole rebrand that happened. Um, our uh, previous website was a bit web 1.0, but everything looks nice and shiny now, which is probably why we got invited to speak to the UN. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, we, we, we look far more like a real organization proper organization yeah we you know you yeah. know we've got we've got we've got all the forms filled out and we've got the like we've got the business card kind of vibes um but fundamentally behind behind that the whole point is is that we have literally just put in a ridiculous amount of effort into structuring ourselves in such a way that we remain incredibly radical we will soon be not not four people in a trench coat, four trans people in a trench coat, but five trans people in a trench coat. <laughs> wow. One day it might even be six. Oh my so God. So the idea is, you know, um, we, we've started off incredibly small and incredibly based on, you know, and frankly, um, most people are shocked when they find out how few of us there are and the fact that we all work full-time jobs on top of this, um, because I think... The work we've done has had an impact above and beyond um what 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 we were expecting it to and and has also um at the expense perhaps of uh, all of our mental health as as I think we've put in a lot of work um but I'm very excited that you know we've done some internal work now to make this a more sustainable project because I think you know um most of your viewers are on the left, presumably, and, and you're all leftist organisers yourself. Um, I think everyone is aware of the concept of activist burnout and how easy it is for people to just disappear and for amazing projects to just disappear because suddenly there is no one left to do them who can do them. And, you know, I think all of us have at times felt on the brink of that. And so we have put in some work to try and make sure that, you know, um, at the very least, when we all burn out, there are people who have the skills and knowledge to replace us. 
yeah. and, and that's very exciting for us. I think um, it all sounds really, really good. And I think that that's a really important part of organizing like you say like people people really do forget that i think people talk about burnout but they don't really know what it is they just think like oh well i guess when someone does loads of work they just get tired and it's like yeah it is it is that like a lot of it is that but what you have to remember about activism and organizing is it's like really like it it feels good to do and it feels like you really have to do it and so there's these like extra draws to it that it's like no i've really got to keep working no i should really finish this i should really keep working even though i've like not slept for three days and i need to do you know what i mean i need to like finish this constitution i need to finish this this statement etc it's yeah you you just can't yeah you can't really overstate just how bad uh burnout actually is before we go to questions we got we got a little bit of time left um yeah just in terms of like like because i you know it was it was surprising like for me like you say to find out that there's so few people in in trans safety network um i think at like at, at some points it was even just like one person um <laughs> and, like i think um yeah when you when you realize that and you realize just how much like effort some people have put into organizing and you know trying to keep trans people safe monitoring some of the hate that goes on um in various different places all in the uh, mainstream discourse mainstream media etc etc it's it's really shocking and it's like oh my god wow okay so like you know just a few a few people can do so much so imagine just how much we can do when we all come together right i think like that's the biggest message that it's really important to get across to people especially people watching our show you know if this is something that you've wanted to get involved in for for a while if if you know especially if you're a cis person and you've been like oh my god like how can i how can i support trans people do you know what i mean like what can i do like you know trans safety network is going to be like the place where you can learn that it's going to be the place where you can like find out what to do like you know be aware of of all the different you know, lies of, of uh, transphobic, uh, you know, narrative all over the place. Uh, Trans Safety Network are on, are on Twitter, uh, they're on Facebook, and there's a website, um, which is uh, Trans Safety Network. Um, oh, so it's, it's, it's actually transsafety.network, which is actually really cool. I didn't know that you could have domains like that, but that's pretty sweet. Um, so yeah, so make sure, make sure you're, um, you're all over that, folks, uh, listening to the show. And uh yeah. So, uh, yeah. Is there any is there any other stuff that we've not that we've not asked that you just wanted to cover? No, you just wanted to come on and chill. You just wanted to come on and be like, we're <laughs> launching again. Oh my god. Yeah, I just I wanted. We, I guess we just wanted to come on and we wanted to explain what we do and we wanted to say, hey, hopefully we're going to do even more of it. Come along, you know. It's- yeah, it's awesome, and it's awesome to show like that you know like these organizations like your own where it's like. So a handful of people that are doing like, you know, a huge amount of work is something that we've talked about a lot. We even just like last week, we were talking about how, um, you know, like you see on the right or like, you know, with like TERFs or like, you know, um, like libertarian groups or whatever. There are these like enormous, like these think tanks that get grants and all this kind of stuff. And then when you look at, you know, stuff where it's like, um, yeah, Trans Safety Network or the person that I was thinking about last week when we were talking about it was um was Erin Reed over in the states where it's like this is one single person keeping track of anti-trans legislation in the states and if she wasn't doing it that 
would just not be done there you know it's sort of like it's it's wild that it's you know like on our side i guess it's like this grassroots thing to handful of people so it's like important for people to kind of show up for that and people to get involved and people to you know like realize like yeah this work is being done by normal people like you know like yourselves and like ourselves and stuff and it's like it's as easy to get involved as just you know like just making contact and being like hey these are the skills that i have are they are they useful to you know to you or to anyone else or whatever and um yeah really just kind of like make contact and kind of go from there so um yeah no I think that it's it was you know amazing to have you on and to talk about all these things and just kind of I guess put a you know like a human face on the um on the name that has come up a few times before on um, on Red Planet so yeah I, I think you know um it's you know we talk a lot about our opposition at Trans Safety Network because you know that's what we look at but I think it's important for people to understand um like how well resourced our opposition is in in, in comparison in, in terms of like money and stuff, right? In that um, you know, what I do from, you know, so I do most of the the legal analysis in in, in, in the UK. Like if you see an article about um what the EHRC letter means that uh, or you know what Mayor Forstater's case was about or Alison Bailey's or anything like that chances are and it's pro trans that is um <laughs> chances are um either it was written by me or it links to my what i've written about right you know or it, it's drawing from what i've written about because um on the day that the case comes out or this happens you know i'm the person who drops everything to the detriment of my health um, to sit there and and do that work because you know um fundamentally you know it's it's the thing and you know this is a big part of activist burnout is that um you know the skills I have I guess are relatively rare at least for a trans person um you know most trans people aren't going to like prestigious universities to study law it's just not a thing um and you know um I guess the thing is that it's the burnout comes from the idea that if I don't do it it doesn't get done right um and so you know, but the the whole point is is that for for every me there is sat in my bedroom um, reading stuff on my half broken laptop. Um, there is a fully funded room full of, um, you know, like incredibly highly paid legal professionals <laughs> doing that for for the opposite side. Um, and so I think you know it's about um. One, it's about, you know, getting resources from the the richest leftists we do know uh, to us, I will say, you know, and to, you know, like mutual aid groups and trans orgs that are, are like doing this stuff on the ground, you know, um, fundamentally like time is useful, but so is money. Like um, time can't pay for my train fare down to London to meet with the UN guy, right? Like fundamentally, there is a, there is a, there is a, money that has to happen but the other thing is is that you know the more of us doing this work uh the more of us doing even like the little things that I have to do just like in terms of admin to make TSN run that don't require any like major skills whatsoever and could be done by a 12 year old 
you know, um, with child labor. The TSN supports child labor. You heard it. Heard it here first. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, um, but that's, that's the thing. Like people ask us all the time. They're like, "Hey, I really want to get involved in stuff," but like, you know, like we get a lot of people that say, like, uh, you know, like, but I you know, have mobility issues or things like that. And they're like, it makes it hard to get out to, you know, like kind of like in-person actions, like protests and things like that, or even people that are immunocompromised and it's like dangerous for them to go to, you know, like even just like a meeting, you know, like in person or whatever. So people are always asking us, like, what can we do to help? And, you know, like, that's something we try and stress is that there's like, there's, there's jobs for everyone in the kind of greater pro uh, project, you know, whether it's like, admin work and researching and things like that like there's always going to be there's going to be a little space to fit people in. I think most of us at TSN are disabled like I know Shash and I definitely are like you know I'm I'm an ambulant wheelchair user um most of the time I am very much working from my bed um you know like I have like massive fatigue issues um and so I guess maybe that's why I was drawn to Trans Safety Network in the first place, because our whole ethos and the work we do is, you know, you can do this kind of work from anywhere. You know, there are some things that, you know, unfortunately, you know, um, I did have to actually go to London this weekend. Um, but, you know, most of the time um, and, and for most most of the work we do, it's done from people on their mobile phone or from their laptop at most. You know, it's it's the kind of work that you can do absolutely remotely wherever you are with whatever skills you have. You know, we don't need an office space. Um, we are, um, you know, we're, we're able to just collaborate with each other. And, you know, I think one of the most, you know, if, if the right has money, the left has people and I think that's what we need to like regularly understand and rely on is that you know we've um we've got community and solidarity in in people in a way that they they don't I remember this it's, it's a fun anecdote I remember this ironically from when I was on the labor doorstep in 2017 you know I was still in um I was still in the equivalent of the UK equivalent of high school at that point. Right. And I was um, a very optimistic and naive um, teenager, very excited about, um, you know, the 2017 Labour manifesto, which was vaguely actually leftist. It was like, wow, actual hope. You know, I nearly I nearly failed my A-levels, which are like the final exams you do here. I nearly failed my A-levels, you know, going on the doorstep, leafleting everywhere, walking up and down massive hills um exhausting myself like putting leaflets through post boxes and then I found out that the conservative party um and the Lib Dems just pay for them to be posted right <laughs> that's the thing right like this this that's the difference um is that you know they can they can pay for them to be posted and that's not the kind of money we have access to but you know we've got grinning excited enthusiastic people who will walk up and down hills because they believe in they believe in what what you know we we stand for and whilst I wouldn't advocate anyone doing that for the Labour Party uh certainly not at the moment um I would I would advocate a similar approach of you know everyone can do very small things that that help um but the important thing is to to listen to trans orgs and and trans experts and and ask what those things are rather than say 
debating your relatives because we can tell you where your energy is best used and where it's wasted yeah i think um one question that i wanted to ask just before we get into audience questions is because like i think funding is like super important like for stuff like this like if you can get some of it um from like various uh, you know funding foundations and stuff like that then it can be like really powerful like i don't know if that's something that like um uh trans safety network has is considered like i know gmtu um we've got like funding from like the oak foundation nationwide um there are some caveats to this funding that like sort of you know they want us to like try and engage with like electoral politics a little bit on the side of like lobbying and stuff but like broadly speaking it's a lot of dough so i wonder if that's something that you've entertained. absolutely hilariously it is something we're very aware of yeah and that i've seen the deadlines pass for for multiple times because what has happened is no one has had the capacity to write the proposal because they're too busy doing everything else we're doing it's absolutely ridiculous that that is the case but you know if we had someone who you know could write fundraisers jesus christ that like or like like funding proposals that would in and of itself like change the entire approach right yeah and a funding proposal is like you know it's not necessarily I wouldn't say you need to be like even a university graduate. No, to... yeah. No, I know they're simple. I just, I just, I just, I look and I just, I'm like, this is such a simple task. And I just, <laughs> when, whenever I see like funding grants, things, my eyes just literally glaze over because I'm just like, do I do not want to deal with people who have other motivations compared to mine, and it's just yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, it's so hard. I'm doing a full time master's degree at the moment right um um in law and social justice at the university of leeds which is really good it's a really good course but i am basically like not doing as well as i could or should be doing in that course because my time just gets filled up by ever expanding other things that need doing and you know um anything that is it's why honestly i've had to put so much energy and time and like into getting this relaunch stuff done because the problem is is that you know and i think this is particularly true when you're in opposition monitoring all this that it feels like you um you just all the time you get pulled into firefighting like something new horrendous has happened we've got given this new horrendous bit of information what are we going to do with it and you know it's it's like that all the time and it just makes actually like investing in yourself as an organization like it just always goes to the bottom of the pile it's like well what else what else do we get rid of right you know if we've only got so much time and energy we have to not report on this really important thing that needs to be reported on you know this it's it's an impossible situation it's hard yeah but the the whole point i guess of this relaunch um and and all the energy i've i i have put into the restructuring and everything it is to try and get us into a position where we're not just firefighting, where we can start to conceive of ourselves as an organization with our own goals and its own projects that isn't constantly in a state of, you know, always in a con- constant state of emergency. Um, and, and I'm really, I'm actually, I'm, I'm really actually hopeful <laughs> that it might work. Um, oh, hell yeah. Me too. 
And, you know, I think that could be beautiful, really beautiful. (laughs) We've talked a little bit about the funding stuff before with other people and stuff. And just like for the listeners for comparison, like, you know, just like this is something that I looked into a little while back um, with uh, with Kyle on one of 200, which is like a New Zealand uh, politics podcast sort of thing. Uh, about like the ad spend and stuff that a lot of these right-wing projects take is like often more than most left-wing orgs will make in like an entire year from funding and stuff like um one thing that was particularly interesting to me was that the daily wire spent it was like twenty five thousand dollars just on it was like a single post about the um the johnny depp amber heard trial it was like a single post they made it was just like you know character assassination kind of piece or whatever like that but it, the the wild thing is that it like got shared like maybe like a couple hundred times or something like that so they're just like throwing shit at the wall you know like they've just got like this money they're paying like hundreds of thousands of dollars to people to create these pieces throwing money in the well trying to get it out there and it's just like it's not extremely effective or anything like that and like pieces aren't particularly engaging but they just have this money just to throw out there you know like it was like I think um there was like a Ben Shapiro thing where it was like you could look at his Facebook ad spend and it was like something like fifty thousand dollars on Facebook ads like I think it was like a month or something like that which is like you know like twice that is like the average American income for you know, like an entire year, you know, like that's just the amount of money that like people, you know, that we're kind of like up against. And I don't even think the Daily Wire is like the biggest, you know, it's just like, like, it's like, it is like fighting like this Leviathan, you know, like they just have this, um, yeah, just like this incredible power and yeah, capital that, um, you know, that we just don't have access to, you know, just to yeah, put it in context for the people at home. But, um... Yeah, uh, one thing I wanted to do is is um, shout out, uh, by the way, you know, like other um, small leftist orgs who, who have, you know, helped Trans Safety Network, like, because, you know, um, I think it's important to talk about like the way, the ways in which that, um, you know, like organisations who are doing completely different things on the left can, can use each other's skills and help each other. Um, so like like a really good example of this is I was I was talking and shouting about our rebrand earlier and how good it is and I absolutely love it um, and that was done for us by the people um, at Geeks for Social Change which is you know a, 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 a group in um, you know that like are basically putting like technology and activism together to like try and um, um, make social change it's like stuff like that right so like um we can we can all do things for each other. I think it's 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 really nice. Well, that was one of our audience questions as well from um, Kimadactyl, who asked, "Who did your rebrand and how good and smart they are?" I, I hate to say, but Kim might be one of the people at Geeks. Oh, oh. Um, so yeah. <laughs> well, um, maybe we should get into um, some more of these questions then. Uh, that seems like a that seems like a good segue um so uh what do we got so nb underscore aj has asked um 
I'm interested in taking part as an individual, as done stuff like organizing in the past, but by working in the public sector. Would you rather that there is a sort of firm barrier between TSN and people that work for local central government? That's interesting. Like, no, I guess in the, like, you know, um, we have our values and commitment statement, you know, um, if you can agree to those, then like, you're welcome to come along. Like, um, I think the reality is, is that, you know, we're not, we're not our, we're not our day jobs. Mm. Um, you know, like I, um, I, you know, I'm sure there's like useful stuff that, that, that people who, um, have that kind of knowledge and skills can do and bring to an activist space. And, you know, it's not like, it's not like you're a cop and I'd be like, not quite sure that that's yeah, not the yeah, right, yeah. right you know. fit for our organization <laughs> you know it's it's not it's not that like you're not telling me that you work for Lockheed Martin for example as long as you're clear about you know the fact that um the way TSN works and what our priorities are as an organization and the consensus we've built around um what use can necessarily be found in working through um you know these kind of institutions as long as you like understand that and 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 are willing to like work with with us through through in in a way that's um you know in a way that you know is consistent with our ethos there is um there is stuff to be um careful of as well is that um it's just struck me uh in New Zealand, we have laws where it's like if you're a public servant, there are you're not allowed to say like there's like a, a limit to what you can say online as um you know politically and stuff like you're not allowed to comment on certain things. So there are activists down here that I know of that are public servants. They work in you know local government, really amazing activists, and because they know how to engage with the bureaucracy and with those systems. And a lot of the times um, we have had things come through where they're like, oh, there's like these submissions that you can make, um, you know, that people didn't even know about, but it's just because they're kind of working in the systems that they're more aware of these things coming through or like having to deal with them. But, um, but yeah, but then they're personally not actually even allowed to go on Twitter and be like, hey, everyone, you should submit to this. Or if they are, they're all they're allowed to be say is like present, present it, um, you know, like they're not allowed to say anything about it. This is a thing you may make submissions to. Yeah, but then like they're not allowed to have like, you know, like um, like their account on Twitter or whatever would have to be politically neutral unless it was like anonymous or whatever like that. So um, yeah, I do know people like that that operate kind of like anonymously in that space where it's like, if you know them, you know who it is and you know what they do or whatever, but you know, they're just little, I don't know, a little cartoon avatar person another one um you know george lots of numbers or whatever but um but yeah so that is something to keep in mind uh nb aj and anyone else looking into that or whatever um because yeah you just have to be really careful with i guess like opsec stuff and that kind of i'm, I'm fairly certain the situation is the same in the uk so yeah, that is yeah. um so what do we got uh la trick la trick uh they are asking any general tips for staying safe when alone on public transport or in public spaces as a vulnerable trans person a bit of a vague question i'm sorry curious about thoughts on self-defense or what go-to tips in a crisis feel free to ignore if outside of expertise hmm. 
I would say that's definitely outside of my expertise, but I mean, I would stick to like, I would, you know, there are, there are definitely organizations out there which create um, resources on that kind of thing. If, um, if, if I find them, then um, I will tweet about them on the trans safety network account. Yeah. I actually know law Trek is, is based in Manchester and there is um, a queer self-defense class based in um, Salford. So if that's something you'd be interested in, I think the person who organizes it is on a bit of a hiatus at the minute, but you can follow them on Instagram. Um, and as someone who is, uh, I got to semi-pro Muay Thai, I don't know if I talk about this that much on the show, but the best self-defense is fucking running away as fast as possible. Um, so learn to run basically like don't don't even bother trying to fight in any scenario honestly unless you absolutely have to and in that case yeah go to some self-defense classes yeah and also just a just a general point of like avoid situations as much as you can as like shit as it is like to be a trans person in public right like you know um as i say i was at the kelly j keen demo today and i was you know when i was getting myself home, I was very, very careful about how I got there and who I was with. And, you know, like, I think um, it, it, I understand that it, it's awful to live in a society where these are things you have to think about. But, you know, anytime you can avoid being alone, anytime you can avoid being in, in a situation that makes you more vulnerable is, is you know, take take those steps and precautions because you know um prevention is better than a cure also i think a really good thing to know is um if you are like if you're going to a protest or even if you're just going into like a city or anything in general is um knowing of like uh if there is like a safe place or something like that where you can go to like you know if you are if, if someone is harassing you or something like that um you know if you know if there's like say like a public library or something like that that you can just be like okay this this person is like following me and they're being cut quite weird um I can just go to the public library because they have you know like security there or staff there or whatever like that and that's you know going to be a safe place for me to go in there and I can just chill out and maybe you know whatever um and you know there's also obviously like you know, like um, earlier, Kira was talking about uh, going to like a anarchist bookstore in um, you know in her city and stuff like that. There's a couple places like that around town. Um, there's like one like kind of co-op space that I know of that is, um, you know, it's like a place where a lot of organizing is done, and there's usually people there and all that kind of stuff. And like, you know, sometimes you just you just want to get off the street for a little bit or something like that. It's good to know if there are places around that are. Um, you know that are going to be friendly or whatever and obviously that's not always you know you can't just like run across the the city to get to the you know like the anarchist bookstore or something like that but um yeah I guess uh as well as like learning about um like self-defense and knowing you know like it's obviously always better to avoid confrontations and all that kind of stuff just knowing if there's anywhere that is like you know friendly or you know somewhere that you can bank on being a safe space is um it's good to know um yeah cool anyone else any more thoughts on that one no so cool. i'll get the uh the next one so we got um anarchic alex um who specifically says hey jess 
what's the most effective thing an individual can do to help trans people in their community? You're not allowed to answer this one, Shash. No, no comments from Shash. Obviously, I'm. Didn't address it to me all either. Jeez. Well, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be answering. <laughs> so, um, it entirely depends on who you are. Like, you know, every every if you are a billionaire, then the best thing that you could do personally is give all your money to us. Um, <laughs> you know, um, like it, it entirely depends on and on who you are and, and what your skills are right like if you um like it, it if if you have skills that would be really useful to certain organizations give them your skills if you would have skills that would be really useful to other organizations give them your skills if you have time to just do like delivering mutual aid parcels to people you know if there were you know it very much depends on um on you what your like capacity is you know like if if you've got if you've got loads of time if you've got loads of money you've got loads of skill those are those are three they're all three things that are desperately in need um by the trans community so you know um give give what you have you know from each according to his abilities to each according to his needs you know yeah i think that's a i think that's a good answer like one thing that i've seen um is uh trans mutual aid manchester sometimes ask for people to escort trans people to like gender clinic appointments and stuff like that and that's something i've considered in the past because like obviously like you know if, if you're like scared because like you feel like you don't pass and and shit like that you're worried you're gonna get attacked and shit like if you're a cis person that doesn't mind like you know just walking with someone somewhere like that's super powerful right um okay and the final one that we've got is from our uh, robin second uh, final second, second fi- oh no yeah there's two more sorry that's my, that's my bad. yeah the p- penultimate um do you know anyone who organizes with trans migrants trans people of color disabled trans people and trans sex workers or trans grt folks in the uk Yes, is the short answer. The longer <laughs> answer is yeah. I would have to answer each of those specifically. Um, do you? Ha- I need the list. Um, shash, um, uh, did you catch any specific? Yeah, w- one of them was about GRT. Um, so, uh, uh, and travelers. Uh, what's the other one? Uh, trans people of color. I think was one. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay so traveler pride i know the grt people is a good organization um disabled people uh not gonna lie that's basically tsn Uh, (laughs) um, you'd be surprised how many disabled trans people work behind the scenes of grassroots organizations as well i'll say (laughs) there's uh i believe there's the is it Black Trans Collective is one? Uh, um, Spectra is possibly another organization. Uh, this is obviously Trans Aid Cymru, which is mutual aid, and there's Trans Aid Bristol, which is another mutual aid. Uh, uh, yeah. What was the What was the other one you said after the Black Trans Collective? Spectra, did you say? Spectra. Spectra. And um, yeah, so trans, any on trans sex workers? 
I think I think like um, there's. I feel like there's a. I mean, a... swarm. I know it's trans inclusive. I was going to say like sex worker m- movements have been in my experience some of the most trans inclusive people I've ever engaged with. Yeah, perhaps more so than some trans orgs. <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking like all of the um sex worker orgs that I know of in uh, New Zealand or Australia are all largely run by um by trans people. So yeah. It's more hard to think of sex work orgs that wouldn't be for trans people. Mm. But um mm. I don't know of any specifically, but that's probably a hole in my knowledge. There probably is something. Um, even if it's just a small thing. Cool. Or, or like a like a, there may be like a, a caucus in Swarm or something. Yeah, like it's definitely worth Considering that, like, especially Swarm and some other uh, specific modules have specific, like, trans people who work on that specific intersection. Um... Cool. Thank you very much. And the final one of from Worldmark Wyndham on YouTube says, is Trans Safety Network strictly a UK thing? Our focus is the UK. We're incorporating incorporated in the UK but the problem with um, a global fascist movement is that it's quite global and so <laughs> you're you're forced to um engage with um you know um things that are happening in other countries um and you know um I know that everyone at the organization tries to be um broad in our perspective specifically um it, to try and look at thing, uh, things outside of the Imperial core, especially. I know that um, lots of us are in conversation with, um, I know, for example, like South American activists. Um, and, you know, there are, we have, um, we, we do, we pass people, lots of people often come to us, you know, with, with um, questions about things in, in, in countries that we're not necessarily like the, have the best expertise in um and we try and 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 pass them to organizations similar to our own that we know are doing other good work so you know like um a big one is like the us and we know that for example um there's there's health liberation now which are doing really really good work in the us um though they're even more um under resourced than we are i would say we can't it's impossible to be strictly uk based but and that is definitely our area of expertise. It's where we're incorporated as a company. Um, it is what our, like, it is legally what our focus has to be. But all of us have contacts with or expertise on things that are happening elsewhere. So whilst formally UK-based, in practice, we have to be broader than that. We've definitely commissioned writers um, so the thing to say is that um, all of our volunteers do things for free, but in 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 occasion on occasion where we've lacked expertise in a particular area, we've thought important. We have um, or where we lack sufficient representation on an issue internally, like you know we don't feel um, that um, you know that's necessarily a perspective that we are entitled to offer. Um, we have commissioned um, writers. Um, and yeah, there have definitely been international writers who have, have written for us in, in the past. Cool. Well, that is it for our questions for you from the chats. 
And um, yeah, I guess uh, we'll just, yeah, you know, end by saying, oh my God, thanks so much for coming on. Um, really excited for the relaunch. I think that this is um, uh, definitely something that you, uh, you know, are going to do well with. Like you said, you're quite hopeful for it. We're definitely quite hopeful for it as well. What would you say, because our, you know, cheeky little chatters, our listeners, our audience, they're all, they're all always desperate for some extra work to do their little bods their little swats they love they go around with their notebooks and their pocket protectors uh i don't know i'm aging myself quite severely here um but uh what would you say would be a good bit of homework for our audience to go away and do um we, we had a very long think about this <laughs> to the point where it became a sort of like organizational like um crisis point um, and <laughs> what what's what's what do we ask people to do um and and i think we we all came to the conclusion after a long discussion um that we think the best thing that we could ask people to do other than read the articles on our website and you know just generally get informed on the issue is um the thing i mentioned earlier um which is look look at your community um see if if there is mutual aid being done in your community if it's not get on that um and start there uh you know talk to talk to experienced activists don't reinvent the wheel etc seriously don't i've seen so many people trying to stop no talk to people who who have done this i promise they know the first nine thousand mistakes you're going to make um use their expertise set that up probably probably there is already a mutual aid organization where you live even if you don't know about it um if you do if, if you know about it already and or if you get in contact with them um what we want you to do is we want you to ask them what are they doing for trans people and what are they going to do for trans people when things get worse if things get worse right which you know things are generally speaking on a on a global scale looking to do so this isn't just a uk you know homework this is this is a global thing right is if things get worse for trans people or even if things maintain at the current level um what is your what are your local mutual aid organizations doing to support the trans community have they thought about what they can be doing to specifically support trans people whether that is you know helping to support diy whether that is making sure that um trans people aren't you know um going alone to appointments making sure that trans people aren't terrified um if they have to go somewhere on you know like public services because you know um forget self-defense wouldn't it be so much better if they weren't alone in the first place because people were sat with them um you know it's 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 about all these things about thinking proactively um because now is the time, now is the time to start thinking about what we're going to do to support each other and what we're going to do to support each other in the trans community and what we're going to do to support each other in community more broadly if, if things do escalate, um, which they might do. Um, and, you know, it's, it's about building that infrastructure now so that, you know, if it happens, it's already there. People already have it to lean on. I think I also, I, I want to be like, because I, I am obviously part of TAC, which is Trans Aid Cymru and Mutual Aid. And I think 
although we focused a lot on combating far right uh, rhetoric and uh, exposing that kind of uh, systems and links, I really want to focus on that. Like mutual aid is, it's meant to be positive. So you know, like it, it's it's really about engaging with your community and seeing what they need. So for example, one of the things that Translate Cymru does is like we hold swimming meets every month. You know, like it's just to get more trans people into swimming and enjoying that and like this these small things that like that i think um like might not take as much resources as you think for example like uh running a gp map for your area for example finding out if with collecting experiences and stuff like that um uh, we do a meal share scheme, but there's loads of little things, and like, and it doesn't necessarily have to be something like explicitly leftist, if that makes sense. Like, it's not while it while mutual aid is based in anarchist values, a lot of people who do take a mutual do take part of mutual aid aren't necessarily anarchists, you know. Uh, and like, it's it's liter- it's literally about finding out what you can do to better not just your quality of life but trans people's quality of life around you buzzing thank you so much and is there anything else that you want to plug are there any other links that you want us to shout out and stuff like that read our articles go on our website you know you can find tons of information that you probably didn't know about all the links that exist about what exactly different legal cases mean and things, you know, um, we don't have the money that the uh, the wire do to promote these onto your your Twitter <laughs> feeds against your will. Um, so yeah, you need to. Um, we do our best, but you know, um, stuff doesn't necessarily get seen by the people who need to see it. But it is all there, and if there's something that um, isn't there that you think should be there, let us know, and we'll probably try and get it on there. Hell yeah. yeah awesome. awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a really good and informative episode. And yeah, take care. Uh, I'm sure we'll hear from you in the future. Awesome. Thank you so much. It was great to meet you. Bye. Bye. And with that, we've got the end of the episode bit that we do where we go uh oh my gosh that was really good uh tim where can we oh no 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 no, no. it's not that bit yet to... no, 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 we... no 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 you thought we you would thought. like to extract your money from you yeah. <laughs> patreon she did it so um yeah so if you if you like the show you like what we did today you like what you know our values and what we try and bring to the table then the best way to show your support is to jump over to patreon.com slash red underscore planet and uh support us on patreon um yeah there's a bunch of different tiers for different kind of you know like uh for how much you want to donate uh each give you different benefits obviously the higher you the more you want to donate the more benefits you get um but yeah the first the first tier is a little one called sprite mode 
Um, so I think that's that's American two dollars a month, and it's um, the currencies have changed. So it's three dollars fifty a month down here now. It was four dollars last week. So three dollars fifty and three dollars fifty in New Zealand dollars. That gets you um, that yeah, you get started with your support for Red Planet by becoming a Sprite, and your benefits include the sacred and forbidden knowledge that you are helping the Red Planet team. You get early access to VODs through um, through Patreon. And um, then you also get access to the Red Planet Discord. So um, yeah, we have a Red Planet Discord that is just us kind of chatting, talking shit, sharing stuff throughout the week, you know, like um, uh, people share news things. We talk about games. We talk about, you know, all kinds of stuff. There's like, yeah, there's a bunch of different channels, even stuff about, you know, like like fitness and self-defense and stuff like that. And um, yeah, we're all popping in and out of there over the week. Um, but to get um, get a little deluxe access to that Ooh. Discord mule, why don't you tell us about the next tier? I will, Tim. The next tier is Goblin Mode. That's £8.50 a month or $10 a month. What is it in New Zealand? No, it's $17.50 a month. No, $17.50 so. a month in New Zealand. Uh, uh, how do you say it, Tim? Aotearoa. Oh, Aotearoa. Aotearoa, right. Yeah. In New Zealand, Aotearoa. Um, everyone loves That's, that's good. That's really good. I'm getting it. I'm getting it yeah, now. Yeah, I'll get yeah, you yeah, on yeah. Leicestershire. I'll get you on Leicestershire eventually. <laughs> Everyone loves the goblin. We all get a little goblin mode from time to time. Complete your gobology by going goblin mode with everything from sprite mode and a pack of cool Red Planet stickers for you to stick in legal places and only places like that. Access to exclusive Red Planet Discord hangouts. That'll be very good, won't it? You'll enjoy that if you get goblin mode with us. But there's another mode. What is it, Kira? What's the next one? It's beast mode. Thank you for Whoa. asking, Mule. It's beast mode. Twenty dollars a month in in freedom dollars, and how yeah. much in uh UK dollars? It's seventeen pounds, lad. Seventeen pound, and how much yeah. in uh New Zealand bucks? It's um it's thirty four dollars fifty per month uh in in New Zealand dollars. I don't okay. have anything funny to say about that. I'm like New Zealand dollars. It's just holy yeah. shit. <laughs> Are you actually going to go beast mode? Well, then we can offer you all the stuff from the lower tiers and pin badges. Yep, pin badges. Wear your excellent new Red Planet pin badge literally everywhere. It is completely cool and good to do. So all the benefits of sprite mode and goblin mode and pin badges. Incredible. But what if... There's something like really wrong with me, and I really, really <laughs> want to express that. Yeah. What if well, I'm like then, disgusting? Yeah, if you're disgusting, sick some might buck. say, "Yeah, sick." Then you can go sicko <laughs> mode, which in New Zealand dollars is a one hundred and seventy-two dollars a month. Um, what's that? That's a like hundred bucks American. And yeah, hundred. What is yeah. that like? Eighty something pounds. Eighty-five pounds. Eighty-five right. pounds. Yeah, cool. So, um, yeah, if you support us that much, we can only really reasonably offer you all of the stuff from the lower tiers, plus a very special thank you message at the end of every stream. We have two so, sickos right now. So yeah, we got two sickos yeah. right now. We've got um JBP and Narilon Starfire. Thank you very much for being as as sick and twisted as you are. Yes. And, sick um, and as twisted disgusting. as mule. 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, thank you yeah, so much thanks for that thanks for your support um we have little kind of like um you know like uh, goals for funding towards what we can do so with the current amount of funding we um we pay for our producer conrad who does all the stuff behind the scenes so before that we used to have to do it we've just sh- we had to share the responsibilities between the hosts and stuff but now we just got conrad who handles all of that stuff makes everything so much smoother and just you know like he keeps everything going keeps the lights on tells us when we need to stop interrupting people <laughs> all that good stuff tells us when we um, need to do the homework segment yeah 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 exactly and then the next step the next goal that we're trying to get to is to get an editor so someone to actually be like editing the content um and doing all that kind of stuff just to make it a lot more kind of um polished and also just to take responsibilities off conrad um so yeah so that'll be the next one um uh, actually and when we get that as well we also wanted to start creating more content outside of the streams like um like Mule and Sophie talking about going out to, um, I can't remember the name of the place, but it's like the forest and we've interviewed people that are camped out there before. Yeah. Um, stuff In like France. that, you know, going out and actually like meeting people and filming it and then editing it and putting it up on the channel and just, you know, like cool extra stuff like that. So um, yeah, stuff like that. Also, um, Mule has promised that if we get to that level that we, that he'll do a cyberpunk photo shoot and that um that's right yeah a hacker photo shoot um because he's a he's a hacker i am a hacker um, it's true but also um we were talking about doing like some kind of celebratory stream where i think there's going to be some kind of like tabletop role-playing game action going on we're gonna do a one-shot ttrpg it'd be funny yeah so um but obviously we'll confirm the details of that when we get closer to it and stuff but if you want to see that kind of stuff become a patriot patron if you want to see it happen sooner than later become a sicko um otherwise uh kira if people want to find you where can they where can they where can they dig you up where can they sniff you out that's a that's a great question well Luckily, all my stuff is under Kira Chats. So it's twitter.com slash Kira Chats. It's twitch.tv slash Kira Chats. Discord.gg slash Kira Chats. And lots of other links, many of which I cannot mention on Twitch because they are too scandalous to mention. So I'll just direct you to my link tree. My link tree link linktr.ee at uh slash Kira chats so, is that how it worked yeah the link tree is Kira chats so you can find the link to the link tree in my twitter too it's easier that way oh yeah um but what if i want to find my sweet little peanut mule what if i thank need you. some what if i need some peanut butter jelly sandwich thank, in my thank, life thank you sweet beautiful Kara. you can get your peanut butter jelly sandwich <laughs> <laughs> uh linktra.ee forward slash dj mule that's dj m-u-e-l for our listeners uh yeah i do all sorts of stuff i'm on youtube i just released uh my best video yet it's called berserk as a queer polyamorous love story go show it some love also become a patron because i need to eat and give me money i need to live all that kind of stuff and i'm on twitter sometimes you can follow me there i don't really care uh and i stream in the week uh twitch.tv forward slash dj mule which is uh very fun you'll enjoy that if you come and watch me i guarantee it but tim what about you where can we find big tim 
Uh, you can find me in my my biggest form um, on so on Twitch and YouTube. You can find me as Conquest of Dread, or over on Twitter, you can find me as Dread Conquest. Um, yeah, I haven't been streaming too much lately. I do want to get back into it, but just super busy with work stuff and um, and other projects outside of work. But um, but yeah, keep up with me over on Twitter, and you'll see all the all the good shit posting and everything. Um, Soph isn't here to uh, promote her own stuff, so I'm gonna go into that. Um, you can find her Sophie from Mars pretty much anywhere. Just yeah, look up Sophie from Mars, you'll find her. But um, yeah, the main one Patreon so is Patreon.com/slash Sophie from Mars. Go there um, if you want to support her with her video video essays, all that kind of stuff. She's got lots of good stuff on the Patreon, you know, like advanced screening stuff, notes, all that kind of stuff. Um, or you can catch her over on Twitter, Twitch, um, obviously YouTube, but um, yeah, all the normal places. Sophie from Mars. Uh, yeah, I think that's it for this week, right? Yeah, that's it oh my cool. god well, yeah thanks for um thanks for hanging out everyone see you later thanks for listening to this episode of red planet if you enjoyed the show leave a five-star review on apple podcasts and tell all your comrades about it find more on the show including where to watch live at redplanetshow.com follow us on twitter and tiktok at red underscore planet underscore tv and there's even more at our patreon patreon.com slash red underscore planet Our music is by Jasper Byrne. Red Planet is produced by Conrad Zimmerman in association with Mercenary Creative. See you next week.